2021 was an incredible season of Formula One. A new champion in Max Verstappen. And will we see Lewis Hamilton come back stronger than ever in 2022? Well, that's all to come. But for now, it's time to look back on 2021. G'day there. My name is James Baldwin and welcome to the first episode for season four of Lakeside Drive's F1 podcast. In this episode, we review the 2021 Formula One season. And I'm joined by many, many, many friends. It's very, very good news. We'll go around the table. Freya, nice to have you in person. Thank you. I had all the paperwork to get into the country and the state, unlike other people trying to come here for some reason. <laughs> otherwise, you'd need like a free Freya campaign, which I yeah. probably won't be in for, but uh, yeah. Uh, are you any good at tennis? Who Maybe you could just sub in. Uh, Better than me. <laughs> Tommy T. Hello, mate. G'day. How you doing? Yeah, very well. Good to be here. And my friend and yours, Thomas J. Camp, who hasn't had a COVID test ever, it seems. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? You good? <laughs> very well. Uh, what a bloody year in review. Uh, it, well, we get to we get to talk all about it. We're, it's the, the 9th of January. We've had plenty of time to digest what's happened in the last couple of weeks. We have two people at this table who are Dutch, so we're absolutely stoked with the results. True or false? Yes. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and Campy, I mean, I want to get your thoughts because obviously you're very opinionated uh, and it's what the people <laughs> no, want, allegedly. Never. <laughs> we'll talk about the whole season in a review sense, uh, but with a bit of time under your belt to have a think about the FIA stuff and Michael Massey and going back and probably listening to team radios throughout the whole grid. We've obviously got more information now, especially noting that they sent, Mercedes sent Susie Wolf as the, uh, you know, the boat on fire to say, this is what's wrong with the sport and then proceed to not actually lodge uh, the appeal after the decision was handed down by the FIA. What do you think about the whole situation? Oh, I'm over it now. I've forgotten about it and moved on. Um, it's out of my system. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm still shitty about the way it happened. Absolutely. It's just shambolic. But, hey, it's this is F1 and we ultimately get, as fans, drawn into the politics of the sport at some stage. Um, if we go back through the history of sport, you know, the, 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 the Senna rivalry with uh, with Prost and then the Schumacher and Damon Hills and these, this is just another one of those Um <clears throat> There's on-track happenings that we have to put up with and ultimately make our mind up with. Um, I think I'll, I've changed my mind on my stance on Michael Massey, I think. First time ever. Whoa. Well, has changed his stance. Is there a humble pie oven that you've got somewhere set up at home <laughs> that has this Pierre Gasly's face on? Wow. Wow. <laughs> no, look, I, I, I said his job's untenable and he shouldn't do it. I don't think that's what we should be doing or I should be doing sitting here, calling for people's jobs. I don't really know anything about what they do other than make decisions on track. You know, it's not a good look. Although, I, if I'm honest, at the time, I still I felt that way. So, it's just, you know, the six weeks after the race, I've changed my mind on that. So, uh, I want to just see – I want to see some responsibility taken for the decision process making. If Michael Massey ultimately has – a level of he's the final call and the final decision on these things. I think the FIA and himself need to come out and make a statement and say, well, as a captain's call, I did it for these reasons and these, and you've got to live and die by it. That's what I want as a fan, just to someone, take some, someone to take some ownership and responsibility for the mistakes that were clearly made. So uh, if, the, in their view, mistakes were made. So, uh, yeah, I've moved on. Max is a pretty deserving winner of the World Championship, I think. Uh, geez, but... 
Lewis again, unlucky. The way he came home in those last four races, I don't think we've ever seen Lewis drive as well as he has. And going into next year, it's going to be hard to, you know, take on Lewis Hamilton and beat him next year if he's got a competitive car. But I just think next year we've set him up to just go, you know, 23 out of 23. That's He's going to come back with that attitude and just give piss everybody off, I think. We certainly saw Red Bull in their history with Seb Vettel go all in before Turbo Hybrid, and we saw absolutely that they were dominated yep. in that next season. Freya, do you think that Red Bull have set themselves up for a little bit of failure when it comes to 2022 and this new ground effect car, or do you think Adrian Newey is the king that's going to be able to save them from that? The king, capital T, capital K. Absolutely. It's going to happen. No, I think they're going to, I think Red Bull's going to have a great season next year. I think you're right in that Lewis is going to come back absolutely guns blazing. Like he's got something that he needs to get off his chest when it comes to racing against. He'll use game. every card that he can possibly play to. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But at the same time, I think Red Bull's going to have a really strong season, especially now that Checo's settled and they, I think they've got, they well, appears though they have a good dynamic as well. Like there's going to be a lot of interesting things when it comes to the team dynamics next year with all the new kind of combos. Whereas with those guys, you know, they've, they've got a year under the belt. They're a bit more settled. So I don't know. I think they're going to have a pretty, pretty good season. Toto Wolf. Was bloody pissed off, wasn't he? Yes. You'd hate to be a pair of Bose headphones oh. uh, in that race, wouldn't you? Comical. Uh, one of the things that I'd spent a little bit of time talking to some people about whilst I was overseas was this direct team boss to Michael Massey line of communication. What do you think, TT, when it comes to that level for this season? And we'll talk about 2022 in a different podcast, but... I think there's probably some lessons that we could all have from the entertainment value versus what's actually appropriate and can't be said at best. We don't know what Michael does really. Like we have a little bit of a window into that. And yes, there's a camera, much like we've got cameras set up here. Is it just a a random HD camera that sits in front of him while he's trying to make decisions? And it's only really this year or last year that that was introduced. We'd never seen that before. Do you think there was too much pressure going into that situation with effectively Toto pleading, begging with Michael that it just wasn't fair. Yeah, I think it's too far. I think the first thing is we didn't realise how much these team principals and kind of race engineers have access to the race director, which I think is just way too much. I don't think you should be able to be protesting mid-race and complaining as much as we heard. Like his headphones must be blowing up constantly because if you've got all 10 teams blowing up at the same time over an incident. Like that must be chaos. We also don't really know exactly what his day-to-day functions are. We all seem to assume that it's him making the calls about when safety cars go in and out. It's not necessarily up to him. It's not necessarily up to him about the penalties, all those kind of things. So his job is to manage the race weekend, not to make individual calls that we see play out on track. That's a bunch of other people under his kind of guidance and management. So He's been copying the brunt of the the stuff. The stewards have been probably causing him the most havoc. And I think this this last kind of race, I think, was mostly him. But then again, like, it's built up over the season with stuff that's probably not his fault. So we're probably going even harder on him. Um, to be honest, I think he wanted to get to the point where it was racing again. And that was always his goal. Unfortunately, we've just seen so much behind the scenes that it's actually made it more confusing. So we don't really know who to trust whose fault it is if we didn't know i reckon we'd actually be in a better spot it's the fact that we've seen so much behind the scenes that we've actually never seen before we're actually asking more questions 
So you think it's probably worth removing that element? I know the FIA has spoken about that's probably going to happen in 2022. Yeah. For that direct line of communications to disappear. It's it's hard because the entertainment value is great when it goes wrong and we get that snippet from right, Instagram Bernie. or <laughs> yeah, it is it is full Bernie. But I think for the sport, I think it's better to remove it. I'd rather not know Toto complaining or all these things kind of happening behind the scenes. I'd rather just see the outcomes and it actually would make more sense rather than going, you were swayed by what Red Bull said or you changed your mind based on this because that's what it looks like to us now that we've seen, but we're not seeing all of it as well. We're only seeing what is being released. So that's just also part of the message is hard to yeah. hard to control. But the race director also relies on information that they get from the cars about track conditions and what's happening on track and they actually see stuff that – and where they pick stuff up because teams complain about things too, you know, what's happening down in 16th and 17th is not at the top of the agenda. But if someone's getting cut off yep. and there needs to be a penalty given too, there, need, there still needs to be a form of communication between the two. Whether it's the team, like it shouldn't be the team principal, just keep them out of them. Some of the comments that Horner made about uh, Charlie, Charlie Whiting and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's no good. Piss poor from me. Like, yeah. That just yeah. made my blood boil. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at Toto and Christian, the way they've handled themselves and these recordings are coming out publicly, yeah. it doesn't look good for anyone. It doesn't look good for the sport. It doesn't look good for the organisation. And Massey giving him a bit of shit back. I went at him for that too, but I can't blame him for it when, you know, he's probably put up with it for the last three months of just mm-hmm. absolute hounding. So there needs to be something, but we can figure those things out. I think the the, the more that we can keep the big names like your Totos and your Christians out of the communication, they should surely be focused on their team for the day and yeah, keep and it everyone, out of the public. Every team has a sporting director that has the communication to Michael. Yep. So Jonathan Wheatley from Red Bull, everyone knows his voice because he'd be like, uh, Michael, yeah. yeah, just seeing that overtake that just happened, <laughs> is that allowed? No, no. Jonathan, <laughs> it's not allowed. We're getting on it. Just wait. Okay, thank you. Just thought I'd check. Like that's fine to a point because Jonathan's job is – the sporting director trying to pick up little bits and pieces. So yes, I agree with you on that. But it's the if Jonathan's doing anything, you know, Christian's coming in over the top and saying, uh, Michael, you know, I really just don't it's like, guys, it doesn't actually matter. You know, it, it's great that you're the team principal and it's great that you've got all this kind of attitude and, and pent up anger. And we saw, didn't we, this year, Freya, this the Christian versus Toto train. Uh, and we said this a couple of times that coming towards the end of the season, especially coming to those uh, that triple header and then the last double header, that the tension off track with Toto and Christian was stronger and more tense than between Lewis and Max. Oh, totally. But it was also absolute gold. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yes, there was. Um, and but it was so good to watch. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at, Tommy, in terms of going like, it gives us yeah. what we want, but at the same time, it's not right in the way that it's being done at the moment. It doesn't help create clarity in terms of what needs to happen next in terms of, you know, um, whatever penalty being dished out or not or what they have to do in terms of giving places back or whatever it might be. It doesn't create clarity in the moment the way they're doing it at the moment. Um, yep. But also gold. <laughs> yeah, I know. If so, you were to psychoanalyze me. Uh, no, we're not talking about it. Yeah, it didn't What's take long. That didn't take long. Oh, I want to know. No. Yep. Well, Freya's our resident uh, psychologist. So. Yep. But it is it is interesting though in that like as soon as they say it, like either of them come out, you just can't trust a word that they say. No. And yeah. it's a classic like pre-season stuff where it's like, oh, they're clearly the car to beat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, righto, mate, yep. sandbag, left, right and centre. Like <laughs> you just can't believe anything they say anyway. Yeah. But um, But it does give you a bit of. Yeah, good content, as you would say. And a Toto pointing at the camera 
are yeah, the best. Like that's, and I said this at the time, that's the most emotion we've seen from Toto Wolf. I felt like he was still, like pointing straight into my Dutch soul. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just straight in attacked. there. Just, <laughs> that was Calling you out for right it. through the, through like, the TV. Yeah. 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 Sitting the, there. Yeah. The Dutch are a bit. Princess Lock, aren't they? Oh, <laughs> mate, that is, you can have what that fight by yourself. With, I'm uh, marrying one, so it's. Uh, with heart, oh, well, good luck to you. So you just put your foot in it even more. Good one. <laughs> so 2021 is a season, 22 bloody races. Uh, it was Wild. a lot, wasn't it? Yep. Uh, and it started all the way back at Bahrain. Uh, and one of the things that I wanted, and look, I, I cut together, if you haven't listened, I cut together my favourite moments at Campy for, for 2021. Definitely worth a listen, but it was also good to refresh my own memory on what happened. Uh, of course, we had new rookies this season uh, or last season because it's 2022 now. Yuki Sonoda performed pretty well in his first race. It was under lights. What actually happened though, it, was he, it specifically had to be a Middle Eastern race under lights for him then to perform for the That's rest it. of the year. We just didn't know that at that point. Yep. Uh, but in terms of the rookies that came in as well, of course we had the two Haas drivers, Mick Schumacher, who up until really the last couple of races in F2 in 2020, we were like, yeah, is he only going to get him for his last name? Well, he came in and he dominated, absolutely dominated his teammate Nikita Bazpin, which is not really surprising. Nikita did not have any fans really at all when he first came into the sport. It's kind of settled down a little bit now, I feel. Um, but from a rookie point of view, Campy, for you, let's have a chat about what it looked like because I think Yuki significantly proved at the end of the year, but his, his ability to perform in that top 10 yeah. is directly a relationship with the fact that he's driving that Alpha Tari, which as we saw with one of the best drivers on the grid for at least three of us, Pierre Gasly, do an incredible job with. Uh Talk to us about your thoughts on Yuki, but also on the two others as well. Because, of course, coming into 2022, we've got like Guan Yu Zhou coming into Alfa Romeo. Yeah. Oh, look, big questions for me moving into this season with Yuki just because of the way that he got the seat. It was clear that Honda, as the engine manufacturer, wanted a uh, Japanese driver um, to fulfill you know, some sort of marketing for them. So it was a bit of a question mark. I think the way he performed, particularly in that first race, was indicative of how much time he'd spent testing at Bahrain in pre-season testing. So he had, what, three days over the couple of weeks to well, – it, it was only a day and a half. But anyway, that's that sample amount of time. So he's familiar with the car at that particular circuit. I think as we moved on throughout the year, he really struggled to uh, to just get the familiarity with the car and what, you know, what these things are capable of. In different uh, in different environments, whether it be countries or track temperatures, street circuits to racing circuits, and uh, he really struggled. But uh, you know, he, he had Albon come on and help him. You know, from about race six onwards, and really you know, from all from the reports that we hear, Albon's been really good in the simulator, getting his driving styles. But we saw the we saw the rewards and the benefits of that by the end of the year, and um, I think he finished in the top 10 in the last, or qualified in the top 10, six out of the last eight races, so kudos to the kid. We know that Alpha Terry was very quick over one lap, um, and he beat Pierre Gasly a couple of times as well, which and says a bit about Gasly in my opinion, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no more cheap shots, no more cheap shots, but... Um, you said that like the second podcast last yeah. year and proceeded to immediately glue oh, him to the bottom oh, of the list. have to lock anyone, everyone. True. But, um, yeah, rookies this year, I think Guangzhou, he'll be, Guangzhou will be interesting. I mean, question marks. We don't really know what they're going to do. 
uh, until they get into F1 machinery. We've, we know what his testing was like uh, at Alpine. He was their number one test driver and rookie person. But then we saw Oscar Piastri come in and very quickly after one test cement himself as the top test driver. So, um, look, it's all hands up in the air. It's all predicting, you know, the future and no one can really do it. I think he'll struggle against Valtteri this year. I think he'll get found out. But Valtteri could be a good teammate for him. Well, just picking out something about picking the future, Campy, <laughs> let's cast our minds back, shall we, Tommy <laughs> T and Freya, all the way back to the season predictions podcast that we did. I was did hoping you'd do this. Under the Oz <laughs> F1 Lewis, banner. Lewis hadn't even the three of us, <laughs> And we got slammed for releasing that way too late. Absolutely. I'm trying but, to be organised. But I think, Tommy T, if I remember correctly, that there was another Mercedes driver that was picked to be the champion of Mercedes, this who, what was it? Camby, who'd you pick? Who was Valtteri, I think. Oh, yes. And how did that go for you? That aged well. Shit <laughs> <laughs> no, I picked Valtteri not because I actually thought he was going to win because I wanted him to win. Mm. I made that clear. I didn't well, think he would. But do you understand how him. predictions work, idiot? <laughs> <laughs> I want a million dollars. Get a personality, Tommy. James. <laughs> James, do you remember who I picked for that? Prediction podcast. I'm pretty sure you said one Max. times Max Verstappen. Pretty sure I said Maximus Verstappen. So, what do you think of that Super Max? One nothing. Going around? What do you reckon? Of the that? pit stop boys, the older <laughs> Dutch guys who are just absolutely making a killing, an absolute killing. Oh, from it. a stinker of a tune, isn't it? <laughs> stinker? stinker. What are oh, you talking it about? Drives me mental every time I turn my. YouTube on, that's what comes up. Super Max. <laughs> the YouTube. Your algorithms just mess up because you watch it three times. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think, look, I said pretty much from the beginning of the year that Max was on it to win. Um, do I still think he deserved to win the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix and therefore the uh, championship? I think he should win the championship. I don't think he should have won the race. Uh, and it's worth talking about what happened through the championship as well. Uh, let's go to Imola. And I'm only looking at you because you said to me before the podcast, Did, was Imola don't even in this calendar? <laughs> but Thanks, mate. No worries, mate. The big event like, that happened was George Russell and, and VB. VB, the collision. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty early on that... VB was not doing a good job because he was flailing around ninth, I think, at that point, ninth and tenth with George, which is the fact that he was scrapping for position with George was not so good. Uh, but it, it's pretty interesting from, from my point of view because obviously there was a whole bunch of drama that happened, including uh, the safety car, Lewis going off, locking up and going into the gravel trap, so he had to reverse off and somehow he managed to, to get it all the way back towards the front. Campy said it back then, maybe this is actually a championship fight between Max and Lewis. But for you, being Dutch and a Max fan, what was the point in the season then? I'm only saying Imola just to make you feel slightly uncomfortable. But where, what was the season point in the season for you where you were like, this is Max's to lose? Oh, Bahrain. Straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Pre-season testing. Pre-season yeah. testing. Yeah. No, I think no, but like I, I genuinely mean that. In that, as I was saying earlier, the amount of – just sandbagging before the season in terms of going, oh, no, Red Bull's definitely going to be the car to beat. No, 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 it's definitely Mercedes, yada, yada, yada. They went on for so long and for them to come out in Bahrain and go, yeah, no, we're on here, this is going to be good, um, it was from then, straight up. And it was such a relief to see that happen as well because you just didn't know. Like, you never ha-ha. know. Um, yeah. Well, and, like, to jump on that point, like, pretty sure Max got passed but then straight away it was complaining about it was off track so we had to give the place back towards the end, which is why Lewis won. So the cars were competitive from the start, but Freya's right. Like the Mercedes was nowhere near as bad as they were making it out to no. be. They were sandbagging hard and they were playing it up and 
they like being the underdog. We know that Lewis Hamilton's mentality is like, I have to be the underdog to overcome, climb the mountain, do whatever I have to do. Like he has to have that mental battle for whatever reason in his competitive kind of DNA is to come from behind to overcome all the odds. Uh, so he was psyching himself up from that start, whether their car was better or not. Um, but I think, to be honest, if Max had a won, that might have set the tone differently. So I think him mm. losing that race the way he did, having to give a place back, really set him a lot. And then we went to Imola and we saw Max give absolutely no space going into <laughs> turn so three or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and that was like, okay, this is the championship. We are in four for the season, I think. I, I distinctively remember after about race four, it was before Monaco, so that would have been race five, that I said on the podcast, was like, Mercedes clearly has the better car than Red Bull, but Mercedes are not maximising their opportunities yep. in this part mm-hmm. of the season and they're losing too many points. But it was really from Monaco on where it was really a Red Bull-dominated championship with a couple of races here and there that went Mercedes way, et cetera, et cetera. But um, until the last five races of the championship, I mean, Mercedes didn't really look like they were the strongest car up at any point after those. Monaco right through to Silverstone was just – yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and there were some results that went against Red Bull, yes. obviously, yeah. like Baku yeah. and yep. the tie to Baku where Max, you know, when he's in front. Um, yep. I mean, but Lewis left some points on the table that day too. But, yeah, I mean, Mercedes clearly had the better car at the start and the end of the season. It was just the middle part that Red Bull were better. Yeah, I hate it when there's meat left on the table. Can we eat, don't you? Yes, don't leave it on the table. Put it in the fridge. No greens ordered by no. Ferrari. It was, was 2021s. <laughs> Big call. Yeah, isn't that even funny? Or? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny. My favourite part annoyed. was watching um, that last race from a smokehouse for breakfast. And so everyone was literally just ordering like plates of meat. And I was sitting there wetting myself laughing and nobody having any idea what's going on. It was yes, pretty good. So we complain about our time zone. What's it like watching from the Cayman Isles? Um so I usually have like a swim club that I go to on a Sunday morning. They yeah. don't see me very often <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I'm about to get kicked out of the swimming club because <laughs> I'm just not there. Um, so I love it. But usually it's like AM Sunday. AM usually starts at 8. Sounds so, way better. So much better. No, it's actually perfect. Wake up, coffee. It one. usually falls on the work day. wake up, coffee and watch, but it's 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the work day is what stitches me up. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's busy on Monday. So I pr- much prefer to sacrifice my Sunday to watch if I knew I didn't have to work <laughs> minutes after finishing the podcast. Yeah. Yes. But the bonus for us is like practices. Like when it's Europe, yeah. we get like two practices and it's 11 o'clock Who Friday night. Practice, it's ready for, I do. It's awesome. <laughs> Tommy, do you just hate the sport? <laughs> <laughs> just can we do a basketball podcast? So we don't even like Formula One. <laughs> just. And I was going to, well, I was going to continue saying in terms of the rookies, of course, this season, um, Mick Schumacher. We, we've had more yeah, we airtime with questions. Gary, his race engineer, who needs to record and release a whole bunch of bedtime stories because he would just make an absolute killing of that. What a voice. <laughs> yeah. um, in terms of mixed performance this year then, what do you think in terms of comparison to his teammate? Obviously, he smashed him. But as carrying the Schumacher name, he hasn't really come in and like tried to hold that over anyone, has he? No, not really. I think anything that comes from, you know, Schumacher now is being put on him. I don't think he's kind of, like, he doesn't seem to be using that um, in the way that he could, to be fair, um, which is good. He would be pretty hard to like if he went, went about in that way. Um, he was but, stoked when Lewis didn't win the world championship. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah. No, I, like, I, think, I like how he goes about things. Like yeah. he just kind of keeps his head down and beats his teammate and that's all you have to do yeah. when, you're in a, when you're in a house. And he smashed him. Uh, and, of course, your favourite rookie this year is LeBron. Yeah, <laughs> LeBron. Nah, quickly on Mick though, I think the best part of that that's been the side has been seeing Uncle Seb kind of come alive. Oh, love Uncle Seb. Like good King. guy Seb. He's, been, he's good guy Seb. We has don't been deserve all-time him. No, don't good deserve guy Seb. this year, hasn't he? He's been like a great mentor, not just to Mick, but all of the rookies and other young drivers around. Even Lance, who's like pretty unlikable. We've seen some off-camera. And also not a rookie, but. <laughs> but you know, like a younger driver. Rookie. But to be mentoring the younger drivers, because they're all yep. kind of younger yeah. than Seven Alonso at this stage now that Kimmy's gone. But some of the kind of off-track stuff that we've seen, like that Aston Martin, James Bond stuff, just the banter and him trying to actually like be likable, be like just himself now. He's not caught up in being, I don't know, the Seb of Red Bull years when he was so unlikable and every Australian hated that guy. For yep. us to have backflipped as hard as we have yeah. to love Seb. Yeah. Everyone. Seb, he's done a great job. Including Mark Webber, to be oh. fair. And if Mark's uh. backflipped, none of us have any excuse. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's a great point, yeah. Oh, my hatred for Seb Vettel in <laughs> was, was real. If he ever puts those overalls back on, <laughs> I think I'll flip It wasn't back. just Seb. I hated the whole of Germany for the two <laughs> My favourite moment. Hulk has done nothing and he was in the bin. My Why fa- association? My favourite moment was, I think it was 2014. It was Danny Rick's first year um, in a big team and he qualified second for Melbourne, but Seb missed out on Q. Q3 and gotten eliminated in Q2. And when it happened, the whole crowd just went up <laughs> in this enormous cheer. And then the, like the, uh, the sky feed went straight to Christian Horner and even he had a big chuckle on his face <laughs> about what had just happened. So anyway. Yeah, yes, Seb. no, but Seb's an amazing, you know. Well, that's not what you res- said the first three episodes. Oh, no. I've You're like, it. we need to give all these drivers who have got into new teams, specifically because Daniel Ricciardo was epically struggling, at yeah. least six or seven races. And I distinctly remember listening through that Imola podcast and you were like, so Seb's in the bin. <laughs> Race two. Yeah, I said he was cooked, didn't I? You did. You're like, he's cooked. He's done. And then he got a podium. And no, no, he had a good year. But podium he's, not in he's a an elder statesman of the sport now and he's, he he's doing and the he's, right thing. He is, isn't he? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's turned us around. I like him now. He's he's good for Didn't the sport. Didn't think it was possible, but he has. Yeah, yeah but yeah. now that he's not winning, it's sort of irrelevant. <laughs> right? so. so, yeah, that's the question. Does your backflip still hold if he starts winning races next year? Ooh. Yeah, no, it still holds. And now he hates Lando. I'll be stuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. The worst Sauron ever is yeah. if he doesn't look around, he's only picking one person. Yeah. No. Let's yeah. talk about the championship fight as a whole. Uh, and Campy, we'll start with you because I think there's obviously a lot of races this year, uh, 22. But we only, Too many, I reckon. We only had 21 races of actual racing. Of course, Spa, Belgium <laughs> being the absolute mess which that it was. Is our favourite collectively, I would have thought. Yeah. And totally. that was the one we didn't get, which is infuriating. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree <laughs> completely. Oh, I'm so angry. But yeah. I think if you look back at, at what happened to Max, would you say that as a whole, Max was – more unlucky this year or unluckier than Lewis when you think about the tie blowouts in Baku and he was leading. If you think about uh, other issues that have happened to him, even with the Italian Grand Prix and Hungry. both of them coming together, every time at least, I mean, at least in that instance, it was a free free game. No one really scored anything or got yeah. ahead further. But do you think through the year that the, the reason why Max then deserved to win is because of the significant amount of un, unlucky sort of stuff that happened to him then – shone through in the performance that he actually then did on track? 
Yes and no. It's motorsport. Things happen all the time, and I love oh. to say that. It's motorsport. Get a real quote. <laughs> up, until, up, up, up until the last Can race. Can you say the line, Campy? <laughs> say the line, Bo. He said the title. He said it. He said it. He said it. <laughs> up until the last race, I probably would have said Max has probably had more, a bit more, like Lewis has been luckier this year. Yeah. But after that result, you can't, you can't, you can't say Lewis was luckier or less luckier than Max. Like, if anything, he's the most unlucky driver ever. But I've gone back and like skimmed through some season reviews of 2000 to 2008. I mean, Lewis was leading the championship up until Brazil in 2007 and lost it because of a mechanical. And then 2008, he won it on the last lap. I mean, you need luck to win these world championships and you need a few things to go his way. I mean, look at Mark Webber in 2010. If he had a luck go his way a couple of times, if Seb didn't hit him in Turkey for the first time, etc. I mean, you'd be looking at a world champion. Um, you need some things to go to your way. So I think that's part of any world championship too. So The picture of the championship – Picture Freya as a whole then, 2021. I mean, I've heard a couple of people say it's a once-in-a-decade championship fight. Do you see that necessarily being the case? Or if you look in retrospect, looking back on it, we had plenty of boring races, <laughs> didn't we? Uh, and I think it's easy to forget about that. And mm. out of 22, there's bound to happen. But from your point of view, and especially now as someone who's joining this podcast and going to be sort of looking at it more year on year and it's sort of under the spotlight rather than as a casual fan or the neutral fan, as Lasers would say, do you think this is a championship fight that Formula One has needed to bring in that sort of drive to survive generation of fans and actually show them this is what a real championship looks like? Yes. In that, I think if you don't have that exciting, you know, oh, who's going to win this every single race, people get bored. Um, if you don't have a good battle happening every single weekend with some predictability in terms of going, you know, we, we have an idea as to who's probably going to win, but there's three or four options and that's really great. Um, but if you don't have that, that battle happening, you're not going to maintain fans. People just get bored. And like you said, there were boring races. Like I couldn't tell you what happened in multiple. <laughs> Imola, yeah, thank 20 you. Of them. One of them. <laughs> no, that's not actually bad. Imola's bad the example, worst, but, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I think that's a championship fight that we need, and I do think it's also one one in a kind of you know decade, if you want to call it, um, fight that we'll see, and you need it. It's interesting coming Tommy T from 2019 when we started the podcast and the absolute Mercedes dominance that had played out. Completely agree with you. I think that level of jeopardy to use a Tommy T word that I now love using mm. in every other podcast that I do yeah. uh, is royalties. is uh, super important, right? It's it's so necessary for us to remain engaged, but to borrow a Michael Laminato term of trio of dips podiums that we had <laughs> of Lewis, Valtteri and Max time and time again for most of this season, there still was an element of 2021 that was very similar to 20 and 19, wasn't there? Yeah, there was, but at least there was someone else competing for the one. Like it, it was one, two Mercedes for 19 and 2020. Like there was, you had the option of third max. That was it. That was kind of all that was up for grabs. Whereas I just quickly looked through, Max never had a third this year, which is that pretty incredible. He had three yeah. DNFs and a, a first or a second every, a second. every other yeah. time. I had one ninth actually at Hungary. That was it. But I think what we've seen now is that it's two different manufacturers and it's two rival teams because this sport is weird that your teammate is your biggest rival, but also not because we knew Bottas and 
Pacheco would be called off instantly if they were in any way going to be detrimental to the the top drivers. So it's really that false economy of like, yeah, they're your biggest rival, but also like they're not at all your rival because the team will make that call and take them out of your way. So they, they were kind of just getting in each other's way. So to see that the two best drivers in the two best teams were fighting it out race to race and it was going to be one or the other was exactly what we needed. Like, like the fact that I managed to maintain it for the whole season as well. Yep. Like everyone said from the start, we want this to come down to the last lap and the last race. Now, nobody obviously, I think we said that enough that we yeah. just. <laughs> like, it just happened. It we just willed happened. it into life. Yeah, and that's why Michael but- Massey should get a raise. Yes. <laughs> We've been looking at this all wrong. Michael. <laughs> Australian. <laughs> mate. Sorry, mate. But if you were going to script a season, like yeah. Freya's completely right. That is exactly what you last want. Lap, you want yeah. interesting racing to the very end of the season how many times have we seen in the last like 10 years the race is decided with more than three races to go like that is it's usually decided in brazil isn't it like Mm. and we're always kind of cool this is just a couple of dead rubber procession races to go when we go back to the middle east and it's just useless that's not what we want we want to see it come down to the wire we want to see overtime we want to see game seven that's all the kind of stuff it's like right to the the very end because uh, that's when sport's most exciting. Just edging this towards a basketball podcast. It's going to be a basketball <laughs> podcast. <laughs> this is all for you. It's just oh. intro to one person. Yeah. It's either for you because you live on that side or Mark K. This is a right. podcast now with one audience member. Mark, we've got a spot if you want to come and join us. So here's the question then. If like, What's a better world championship? Is it Rosberg beating Hamilton? Is that a bigger effort than what Max did this year? It, I saw a, this question online the other day. I have my own views on Nico Rosberg now. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, you met him. Tell us what it was like, Jim. No. <laughs> Don't say I think you've got lots of positive things to say. You should share them. <clears throat> okay. Let's carry <laughs> on then. <laughs> Saving you. I think it was harder because you had the team as like the yeah. extra person in that battle yeah. working against both of them in however it was. So whether it was against Nico or against... Lewis, like the team was inter- intervening and like making that even harder than it had to be. So I think, yeah, Nico's accomplishment there, despite the team probably holding him up in some ways or potentially favoring him over Lewis for some parts of it, they might have flipped halfway through the season, which I think probably happened. Hey, like, yeah, it's a momentum. When, when Nico was doing as well as he was, they were probably backing him. And then Lewis came from nowhere and like, Maybe we'll switch horses halfway through and uh, <laughs> back the other guy in. As long as we win the constructors, yeah. we all win. So, And I think they realised that Lewis was their champion for the future and ongoing kind of previous champion as well. So they knew that they had to kind of switch. But I mean, Nico still had signed for 17 and 18. Let's not forget he had a two-year deal yeah. and then pulled it. And like I understand why, absolutely. Uh, and it's interesting because – the conversation whilst I was overseas, some stuff that was going around, although that now doesn't seem to be the case, was that Giovinazzi hadn't properly signed up to uh, Ferrari as a reserve driver. So there was some like, that was a source that then sort of started going backwards around, well, okay, if Gio's not confirmed as Ferrari reserve driver, are they keeping him for Alpha and does then Bottas stay at Mercedes because Lewis is going to retire? This is quite literally yeah, yeah, the, really? the ridiculousness of, and I was in a completely different motorsport We don't want paddock, him, you can't have him either. And that, yeah. was, that was stuff that was going around in terms of conversation points, which is hilarious, right? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, and you said this earlier, this is going to be a huge battle for like, what have we done, unleash the Kraken kind of thing with <laughs> yeah. Lewis Hamilton uh, in 2022. Hey. Just quickly yeah. though, what? 
that says a lot about releasing Ocon from that, that they didn't want to keep him away from anyone else. You can have Ocon in the yeah, All though. yours. All yours. That's savage. <laughs> oh. They just had to spin the wheel of team principles, though, to find out who was going to make that decision. Oh, and now we can add Otmar to that list. I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's do a little bit of, I mean, what, it doesn't that, matter we? whatever we're doing at this point. No, but no. Omar is, uh, I really. I wonder where me, he's going to go. Give me your thoughts because I just want to pull up well, his press release is, that he uh, announced. Oh, Does he say Renault? Look, we we'll had this him. conversation when we heard rumours about it. My initial thought was heads have to roll because of the way that Lawrence Stroll runs his organisations. Yeah. It is the dumbest call that Aston Martin couldn't make with the amount of IP this guy has and our knowledge of the team and its history and the yep. future and where it's going. He is the, by far the best person to serve as that team principal and take them to where that team wants to go in the next few years. Lawrence Stroll is a complete, utter dickhead for making that decision. I can't life. wait for this to backflip and, like, they hire the Jeez. next Total yeah. Wolf Total because Wolf. that's yep. what Lawrence will do. No, he will. But, He'll but, hire the next Total no. Wolf who comes from business and does all these kind of can things I just, and will annihilate it. Look, can I just read? No, let's this look is, at the history on, of racing. Just, oh. Let me just read Otmar's and then you can say his because this is important, right? Yeah. This is the 12th of November released... <clears throat> 12th of November. 12th of November. My Aston Martin Cognizant Formula One team campus communication, he didn't say campus, communication staff have correctly issued a spokesperson statement to the effect that rumours linking me to Alpine F1 team are merely speculative conjecture <laughs> and that they would not therefore comment further. However, since the rumours have now been sensationalised on certain websites, creating a spiral of misinformation, I have taken the decision proactively to confirm hereby <laughs> that the rumours are pure media speculation and are not based on fact. Fast forward, not even two months, and Bye-bye. here I am. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the IP you were saying, no, what happens though if he isn't taken by Alpine and that's it? Is what happened with Cyril going to happen again with Otmar? Well, I think we've lost a very special team principal for our sport and I wish him all the best in his future career and whatever he does. I, Look, if you look at the history of this team and where it's come from, the funding they have and where where they were as a team racing-wise and making the decisions, what has changed in the last two years? You've had a billionaire come in and buy the team with a consortium. He's made decisions about – the billionaire I'm talking about has made decisions about where the car has to be on track and they've – Carbon copied a Mercedes car. The following year, they had a good they, <laughs> they had a good year, and then this year, when that car wasn't the optimum design for rule changes and whatnot, they've had a shit year. And then all of a sudden, the billionaire um, CEO sacks the team principal because of not performing well. That to me is bullshit. That to me is Lawrence Stroll has made captain's call when he first came in. He completely f***ed it up and now he's throwing the bread at somewhere else because he has to be seen to be making corrections in an organisation that's not where he wants it to be. What else do you do with bread except for throwing it somewhere else? (laughs) Feed the ducks. (laughs) Sorry for swearing. Is that also on the table? Well, lots of bread. bread on the yeah. table. Along with meat. Just asking for a friend. <laughs> but yeah, inter- interesting I though. Agree. Yeah. In, and we and I mean that's an interesting statement. The fact that it's clearly someone in Aston Martin's gone, you need to put out a statement to say that we're not going to sack you effectively, even though he's yeah. probably known for a long time that it's coming. Mm. He'll be very happy, I think, to not have to say on camera, yeah, we're really happy with Lance this weekend. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're clearly not. And it's clearly should have been Checo alongside of uh um of Seb. 
Yeah, next guest, Otmar. Let's get yeah. him. Let's oh, get him on. Well, tell <laughs> us what you think of your last boss, yeah. Yeah. and don't hold yeah. back because I think he's a complete dipshit. <laughs> I think the fact that he got sacked is actually even worse because now he's probably avoided all that non-compete kind of stuff that he'd have to go yeah. through. Because they wouldn't let a team principal quit and then go somewhere else. So getting fired is different. I think he's now going to go take his talents elsewhere in F1 because he would be valuable, even as like just senior management somewhere else. They'll pay him whatever they can pay him. They'll make it work because he has valuable. Valuable insight into obviously not only that, but the Mercedes part of it. So if you're a different engine manufacturer and you can get the information from Otmar, who has been working directly with Mercedes on supplying an engine, that has got to be very valuable stuff. Uh, I think it'll, it would surprise me if he took a year off and wasn't somewhere very, this year. Yeah. Very well-liked person in that team as well. Absolutely. And, and he was so sad you, when Checo left. Like you, you could yeah. visibly see. And, you know, from all accounts, that team's a pure racing team that, you know, that, that he headed up and they're on small budgets. They weren't a big team. There's going to be a heap of people in that factory that are very angry about the way that this yes. whole situation played out too. The campus. And, well, the campus for Ants. So. <laughs> <laughs> His only pop culture reference. He uses it. Yeah, it's pop culture. That's my most recent film I've gone to the cinema to watch. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, but there could be a mutiny inside Aston Martin, mass walkouts. I don't think that'll happen. It'd be cool to see from a fan's point of view, though. Mm. There you go, Liberty Media. That's where we want the uh, entertainment. Take the camera out of Michael's room and put it in the campus to see what happens. (laughs) All right, let's talk about favourite moments of the season. Obviously, there's heaps and heaps and heaps and heaps. Uh, and, of course, there's only one correct answer for this podcast. Yeah. Happy to talk a little bit later about DR's win in Monza and just how good that radio is. But, uh, Tommy Teach, we start with you, your favourite moment. If you say Max Verstappen winning the World Championship, by the way. I I'm wouldn't, no. Just that's obvious, obviously. Okay. Um, there, there's a few that come to mind. But I, I think I'm. we all loved it when I was on this George Russell never getting a point. <laughs> My new thing is Leclerc never doing well at Monaco. And <laughs> for him to get on pole and then not to get to start the race in his oh, home Grand Prix geez. is comic genius for me. I think that is exactly what we need to get going. Hang on, hang on. I just said, what's happening to Lance Stroll? <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, you were saying? Yeah, exactly. Oh, it was comical, wasn't it? So he put it on pole and then he, managed, he tried to put another lap in, if I'm not mistaken, in Q3 and binned it, red flagged the session. So no one else could improve leaving him on pole with a broken car. Yeah. They tried to get it around for a parade lap, I'm pretty yep. sure, a formation lap, and he cooked his gearbox and couldn't start. Yep. And this is him previously having crashed out and then trying to get back from the back of the pack and yep. crashing out in other Monaco. Like, he has never well, finished. Well, he and LeBron James have competed in the same <laughs> amount of Monaco Grand Prix. This is very true. It's like Campy and Johnny Herbert have won the same amount so of World Drivers' Championships. If, if you knew if you to Lexa <laughs> Drive, this is... <laughs> Yeah, welcome. This is the one. So this is all the brigade. You'll get yours in the mail soon. Leclerc we know where you live. Win or do well at Monaco, I think, is our new. Oh, that's very good. And I love that also you'd forgotten that it existed and you were literally sitting in my house watching I know. it in Sydney. I, I, uh, I just must just make room for more basketball to go yeah. in, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, you have a little space for one <laughs> F1 race at a time. That's it. Uh, but it was very, for both of you, it was big time tinfoil hat brigaded in terms of like Leclerc well, doing on purpose. We got and, that. And it was very interesting though, wrong. wasn't it? Because Ferrari had the option of actually going in there and seeing what damage had done to the car. It was a five or 10 place grip penalty camp. If they did it, they're like, no, it's track position here, which they're not wrong at Monaco. Uh, <laughs> unless you're- That aged well. Lance Stroll. Or well, the track position was 
not even getting on the track oh. at all properly. Uh, anyway, it's very interesting. Campy, what about your favourite moment of the season? My favourite moment? Oh, the Austrian uh, metal anthem yeah. was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I accept that. that was, I bloody accept that. That was one of the strangest, rarest moments I think we had all year. It was, everyone was just like, what? what? Where did that come from? Yeah. So that was good. Uh, I think um, – uh, You enjoyed Spa, let's be honest. That was your. That favorite. was your, actually your favorite race. Was your you were so Super. stoked that they went Watching racing and delay. did half points. I was about to say the half points is politics. Yeah. The, the, one. the half what? points just for the rest of the season was the gift that kept so on giving. Isn't it? Just yes. having to recalculate all the yeah. time. Oh. Um, yeah, I think Silverstone after the lap one battle that Max and Lewis had, and then the crash, and then for Lewis to come back and drive the way he did after his penalties was a pretty special drive. Enjoyed that immensely. He didn't win it. He came second, didn't he? Interesting. <laughs> you love Lewis, don't you? Yeah. I mean, it's the backflip. They do continue here at uh, Lakeside Drive. Um, look, see yourself up for a backflip later on. No <laughs> What's your favourite <laughs> Well, you can make your mind up about if you're like, you know, gluten-free, intolerant, or you gender. You can change your mind at any stage these days. So. <laughs> Well, I changed my mind about this stuff. Can you just <laughs> we're cancelled already? Just can you just can you just tell me how you oh. are intolerant of being gluten free? <laughs> all my friends, there's too many oh, words well, that you, you go use. Out for dinner and someone's a serial. All right, Freya, yeah. let's just. Listen, uh, man, when did you decide this was real? And COVID doesn't exist yeah. again. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's probably more along the lines of Tommy T's, whereby watching Lando bin it. Brought me a lot of joy. Sochi, watching oh. Lando bin his own race was just so good. Yes, sook about it. An yeah. absolute sook about it as well. Um, yeah, that was delightful. That was- um, but I mean, obviously not good for McLaren as a whole, but at the same, which Daniel is upsetting. But but exactly, <laughs> Daniel got fifth. But, and that was the best thing, watching him come through and then going, Daniel's going to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the best. But the other thing which comes to mind, I was talking about this earlier, um, is just from a fan perspective, the visual of is in Austin with the two McLarens sandwiching signs Great with call. that uh, yeah. Ferrari down the middle. It's just oh. one of those moments as a fan where you go, yeah, yeah. Tingling, this Spicy. is why we watch. Yep. And I think all three of those drivers <laughs> knew at the one. time that that was an awesome moment, like yep. three abreast going into that. And, and I think I Ricardo think got stuck said, behind Leclerc at the end of it, but it was yeah. just for the moment there. I was like, and Lando said he's like, I had to. I was going to T-boat him. I yeah. had to pull out, so that's yeah. what But it was excellent racing because yeah. I think Leclerc and Sainz were around as well. It was yeah. all four of them like yeah. fighting because they knew how important those points were And DR were was just a star. Came yeah. out on top. Outstanding yeah. in Austin. Yeah. Uh, my favourite <laughs> chops. That oh. facial hair setup. Well, that. I was going to say, I have two favourite modes of the season. Driving the first NASCAR. of which is is yeah. DR driving Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s NASCAR oh, and goodness. and Max was, and him saying Max Verstappen's text message of like the screenshot of DR coming up the straight <laughs> with his big <laughs> arms smile on his face going. <laughs> and Max had screenshot of that, sent it to Daniel and said, looks like you had a good time, yeah. uh, which I loved. But Excellent. that was really, really great. Um, and as part of that, I also loved, and I said this at the time, that Zach Brown's there with his iPhone. Like there's like Full three professional girl. film Surprise crews with real high yeah. quality, like 2160p, 4K, whatever. And there he's like, because he's just <laughs> a race, he's a dad and he's a race fan, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but all, my, I think my favourite moment on track was Fernando Alonso defending against Hamilton in Hungary that then gave Alpine the their win. first win in a yeah. long time Ocon. with, with yeah. Ocon. And the way that 
uh, Nando really celebrated with Esteban. I mean, that's that is a side of motorsport. I think we just very rarely see. Yeah. Um, and he even said it, to love Nando. Oh. Just, and he just, even said it like on the Channel Four highlights package that we watched a little bit early before we came in. To he's like, you know, it's it's very rare for a Formula One driver to be the senior guy. So when we're going to Imola, I'm like. Hello, I have all the information that you need rather than the team being the senior people. Like he's mentoring mechanics and everything else yep. through, which I think is just fantastic. And sure. for, for you to be so against him coming back to the sport <laughs> was just so rude, Kevin. <laughs> left, right and centre. Gymnastics <laughs> over here, seriously. <laughs> Can you imagine Kevin on like... Don't. <laughs> Maybe he'd be the RAF uh, gymnast team. Oh, that went over my head, but... Um, <laughs> just... Um, it's interesting listening to – I've listened to a lot of the onboards in like the last five laps of uh, the Saudi Grand Prix to saw the championship. Alonso's just so one-eyed and his hatred for Lewis Hamilton yeah. is real. He's just like, oh, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like there's so much. And then also Nando watching Max's lap in Saudi and yeah. the rear hitting and the way he was doing an interview with Zigo oh. Sport and then trying to watch at the same time. And then yep. that just that look of like – <laughs> yeah, <laughs> only Alonso can do. That's what we need this year is more drivers watching other drivers' laps because yes. they get so excited. I think Gasly was watching the f- end of the lap because he'd crashed out yes. and he was literally like getting interviewed and he was like, shut up, guy. Like I'm watching the end of yeah. this. He's like, oh, and you see his face. He's like genuinely excited for Max and him making that move. Like I don't think there's bigger fans of what's going on out there than the actual other drivers. So yeah. If we can get more of that, please, let's make it happen. If you get DNF, you get a camera stuck to your head yeah. and you have to watch the rest of the race so we can watch you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a great yeah. idea. All right, let's talk about favourite tracks of the year. Oh, uh, if, you, if you both say the Dutch Grand Prix, I'm going to both put you in the bin. Yeah, I, reckon, I reckon we should bring back Magello before we go back to Imola. I agree completely. Magello was cracking circuit. I mean – Last year when we raced there, I just remember Danny Rick's lap that he did. He couldn't breathe by the end of it. He was puffed out. It was, you, yep. know, you know, pulling four and a half to five G yep. for, you know, 45 seconds of a lap. That's what we want to see. And so. Mick driving his dad's Fezzer. Yeah, that was awesome. That, yeah. that was bloody yeah. great. And also Oscar winning the F3 championship there. Yeah. yeah. And Magello. It was a good, yep. it was a good uh, day. It did too. It was yeah. a good day. It was in F3, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ditch Russia, bring back Magello. That's yeah, hey, Russia, well, produ- Russia produced a good race this year. <laughs> they did. Also, That's Nando, here's wonder. another moment. He was like, what bollards? <laughs> <laughs> Opening lap. <laughs> yeah. That's outstanding, isn't it? Yeah, that was yeah. fantastic. Okay, so do you want to pick a track that existed last year or just want to say Magello? Uh, Favourite track. Do you want me to Spa. give you the full list? Spa, Spa. was rubbish though. Like, yeah. No, but as, won't a, be. as a race it sucked, but it's still the best track. We talked about this at the time. I think we need to move Spa to a different time of the year when it's not rain as oh, likely. Rain. Because of where it is, it's so susceptible to rain and wet weather. Like the chances of this happening are so much more frequent because global warming can't be. <laughs> the effects of that, which James highlights in his podcast. Yeah, so you just like to listen to anything. Thank you. Uh, Goodness. You should definitely listen to that because it is excellent content. He gets really good guests and Laminato is a star. He is a star. He's, yeah, he's, he's good. He's, he's, he's good. He is very good. It's, it's nice to be punching above my weight yet again. <laughs> <laughs> correct. Not, not incorrect. You are a consummate professional. <laughs> oh, don't give me that. Yeah, I, very, I really enjoyed Mexico. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Mexico's good. Yep. Mexico was good fun. I think obviously Checo being in a car this year helped, but I think that has real potential. If these cars are as good as they say they're going to be this coming 
regulation change, I think Mexico could provide some really good racing. Um, so that'd be my like. Mexico. Interesting choice. Frey, what do you think? Mexico. Baku for me. Oh, yeah. I'm the second just, choice because that is excellent. It just I'm doesn't fail to disappoint yep. every straight single year. Straight circuits for one, but also gave us the probably best, well, of, with the, aside from the obvious, the second best podium of the year mm. of uh, Gasly, Vettel, Ooh, and uh, Checo. Oh. Yeah. Outstanding. Yeah. That's yep. great. That was, that was <laughs> and big. Some chest frustrated chest. Lewis is always good content. So. Yeah. Yep. And Max kicking the car and just walking across <laughs> the middle of the track the and the just track. like. Just yeah, that's his move. Every time he crashes out, he has to kick a tire. It's like yeah. OCD. Well, he kicked he the did wall it at Silverstone in, yeah, in Bahrain something. in yeah. 2020 with yeah. Charles Clerk. Has to kick something. Yeah. Kvyat did that too. So did he? Maybe they're Red teaching ball. the kids that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of co-parenting going on <laughs> on the Saturday stopover in the car park outside the Monaco Maccas. <laughs> Pick up like a little Leclerc toy in the Happy Meal. <laughs> Ferrari's your favourite team, Ooh, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm exactly the same. Baku, because uh, uh, the Japanese Grand Prix didn't exist, and I think that's probably actually my favourite track at Suzuka. Oh, is just one thirty. Oh, like you just Damn. anyway uh, didn't exist, but I certainly think Spa, if it was a proper race, would have been oh, good. Yeah. Yep. But Baku as a race and for that podium, especially to see Pierre Gasly where he belongs on the podium, uh, very, very good. What are we getting rid of? We can all Sochi. Get, we can all pick a race to get rid of. So I think France. Oh, France. Yeah. France, France and France. Shit, oh, hang on, I've forgotten about them as a country. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think France does my head in. Just looking at those red and blue hoops does my head in. I get oh, yeah. headaches looking at it. Yep. I think it's disgusting. Move on. I'm yep. sure there's better racetracks in France too. Like I'm sure there's other places that they could get up to standard that we could go because France is a good country to go to and has good spectators and oh, has yeah. a team. Yeah. Great people. Why too. are we mucking around with this? <laughs> <Great people. laughs> wow. Envy with the sarcasm, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an only in-person thing? Excellent. Maybe half the time he says this stuff, we just can't hear him yeah, over, the, maybe. Uh, over the mix. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I just think Russia, but they're moving away from Sochi next year, going to St. Petersburg, I believe. So that they're potentially fixing their own yeah. mistake yep. with that. Um, Campy, though, there's another track that you're not, too, not a big fan of. Guitar. Or as, well, how do they say yeah. it in the UK? Kata. Kata. Yeah. That confused me. <laughs> Add it to the list talking yeah, about Sunday roast. I'm not big on the UAE, so. No. Aren't you? Just in general. No. Just in general. Just but Qatar, not sport, just. Not sure they <laughs> contribute to the world the way that we want them to other than oil. I thought Qatar was interesting. I thought it was interesting too. And also, I mean, that's not the track we're going to be racing in the future. So that was a MotoGP track. They're building a new track, but obviously not this year because the World Cup the football soccer world cup is on. So we're not going back there. So it's next year. So they've got a bit of time mm-hmm. to build it's, it. It's a great GP track. Oh, it's a great GP track, but in a similar mode. way that we all kind of put um, Jetta in the bin until we were there. I was like, okay, maybe actually not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually really enjoying it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you? What are you removing? Big bin. Big bin. If you can fit. Um, <laughs> <Sochi>. <laughs> there's a few going in there, but no, it's not true. It's more the fact that there's other races that I want to see. Brought yep. back as opposed to thinking that any of them are particularly terrible. But yep. get rid of Sochi, bring back Magello. Like I said, I'll repeat it again if you need me. We, that's a big van, big fan of that. We've it. got to change the Melbourne track this year too. Yeah, 910 is just now nine. I think. Yeah. 
which uh, is going to be very interesting to see. It, it is still the fastest they're straight still circuit, doing it. or is now Jeddah? They're, they're still doing that? it. So they started it last year, and they're still making oh, changes. They, well, they yeah. have another year up their sleeve, I guess. Oh, they'll have another one as well, probably. <laughs> no. So, so, long no. As jo- so long as Djokovic isn't going to come and sub in for Alfa Romeo, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing that Melbourne's Grand Prix track has really been lacking. Um, is a big like there's passing opportunities into three. And off one, off the last turn into turn one yep. in that chicane. But that's it. We've we haven't had a big breaking zone, which oh, allows in the lakeside drive. You do, yeah. But like with this new cutting out the chicane, so it's just one corner. It's going to allow that yeah. massive breaking zone into that. Just so more that, slipstream as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think that'll be good for racing. So I'll be a really, I'm really interested to see how that track goes. Not this year, also, next we can- year. Been Miami before we even go there. My place. You like, decided. Is that because you can't get That's tickets? I can't get tickets. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the pre-sale sold out before it started? Like, it's insane. What's the worst thing about American tracks? It's literally in a car park, park around like, the football. They've got expansion joints every lock ten meters, so you're trying to drive on the roads. And like, mm, mm. Well, this is a car park, so it would be good bitumen in in that yeah. respect. But insane that they've sold out already. Is this just because they're giving it all to media and like? Celebrities, no, hard, rock, really hard rock members only. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Not, not think, cheap either. No. 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 Oh, damn. Miami, I, I'm confused as to why they've done the track the way they have. I, especially when America has so many tracks that would be up to scratch. Why Miami? I, I suppose they've, there is a big motorsport contingent down there, but surely you would have thought go back to Indy or somewhere where there is motorsport people, there is tracks, there is history, there is all these kind of things. It's been discussion for ages, hasn't it? The problem, yeah. It's the money thing if you want to look at it. How about that New York track? <laughs> oh, do it, do it, do it. It won't happen. It will you never could, happen. Uh, you could, imagine. That'll be alongside Sydney. You could do, one, track. Of the, yeah. you could do one of the NASCAR's like hmm. circles with some infield like chicanes and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know what the technical word is. Though. I know they do that in IndyCar. That would be Yeah, no, they've, they've definitely rad. done it before, but I think you're right. There is a lot of young money and kind of, freelance kind of money that you need for Formula One in Miami and Florida. So that does make sense. Cocaine money. All of that. Freight train. Thank you for your subtlety, Kirby, as yeah. always. Uh, well, let's let's go through team by team for the year uh, because I, it's worth giving everyone a shout out, I think, because uh, there's been certainly some people who've improved, some people who haven't, uh, and we'll start at the very back of the pack. Still don't know what happened to Gunter Steiner last year. Absolutely MIA from media, it feels like. Can you uh, blame or at least him? from the broadcast that we had. Can you blame him for not wanting not to be on TV? Not at all. No, completely agree. But uh, let's start with Haas, though. Again, we've said already with Mick Schumacher, absolutely dominating Mazepin. Um, but let, if we can try and put our fairness hats on, to, to look at Nikita's trajectory for the year, what would you think can be in terms of how he finished up? Is he still as behind his teammate oh, as he was at the beginning of the year? For me, no, he's further. He's further behind. Further behind. Yeah, I think if you look at some of the qualifying, particularly in the wet and the last sort of five or six races, we're talking a second and a half, two seconds, he was behind Mick Schumacher. Um we weren't we were, we weren't very nice to him at the start of the year, which I think was a bit of a mistake. He got off into our sport in the wrong, you know, on the wrong foot. But, Started um, off pretty poor himself. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, I mean, fair enough too. Consequence of your own actions. Yeah, I yeah. think he got worse throughout as the year went on. I mean, on track, I mean, he made some moves on Mick Schumacher at times and got aggressive, which is what he needed to do. But for me, it's the one lap pace. He also just, learned to avoid a few things as well, which I don't think he did very well earlier the start, in the season. Yeah. yeah. 
which is good to see that kind of development, I suppose. But Mather's been does what it says on the tin. Yep. Jeez, that was a just thing after out. the first 10 Oh, honestly, so sick of it. Yeah. But Mick Schumacher, Tommy T. Yep. Like a solid, I mean, it's hard because you don't have that reference point of a competitive teammate, but from everything we saw, he was improving. He had a couple of results where he was competing with, say, Alpha and Wombs when they happened to be back down there or a back marker or someone was had damage. So, but again, like, listen to what we're saying. Like, if someone happened to be having a shit day, he was close. Like, that's not really that encouraging, but we know that that car was going to be an absolute shambles. Because a heaper. They, they were literally just hanging out at Ferrari, trying to learn as much He's as they could. He's laughing They were just hanging out. <laughs> lost his own well, cool yeah. there. This is sort of how much but meat just, was on they the were, table. They were hot desking at Ferrari, just trying to figure out as much as they can for next year, and yep. they'd literally given up from what we, we understand. Yeah, there was no changes there between 19 apart was, from what had to regulatory change. Yep. I would love to see the internal like, comparisons from Magnus and Grosjean to yeah. what Mick Schumacher was doing on track this year. I think that would be super interesting. This is basically the same machinery. Well, what is? yeah, I mean, there's changes. They had to be mandatory changes, yep. but, but there's definitely minimal good stuff there. Yep. What do you think, Freya? MSC. Exactly what I think. <laughs> no, but MSC though, in terms yeah. of how he's improved, if, if Campy's then saying that the gap has increased is really because Mick's shown more pace in a car that was really just not a good Formula One car at all. Yeah. I, I just don't think there's that much to add, to be honest. I kind of like, agree with everything. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, let's talk then about Williams. <laughs> let's talk about the newest Red Bull driver, Nick Latifi, first, uh, in terms of his performance through the year. We saw very little of Nicky. Uh, pretty much up until the last five or six races where I think as a collective as a podcast and even on the Discord, we started giving him a little bit more attention. He's still our favourite Canadian regardless. Um, and, of course, the end of the season, uh, I mean, F1 Twitter and F1 fans can be real dickheads sometimes, like the amount of hate that he was getting for what then was nothing to do with him. He was battling yeah. the Haas. Yeah. Yep. I mean, which is not so good. Great for the Haas driver to be there, but not so much for him. For sure. Um, but for being the nicest grid on the team next year or this year, that's got to be good stuff this for him. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and just to, yeah, jump on that, it was exactly it. After that happened in the last race, immediately you just go, oh, you're going to have a really rough time and you don't deserve to. Um, he was having his own battles in the moment and that was the outcome of it, which I think was just, yeah, it's hard to see. And it was interesting what he came out with when he released mm. that kind of statement or whatever just to show how how tough it's been. So that can't have been easy. But um yeah, I, I'm excited for, for the, the nicest team next year. It'll be fun yeah. to watch. Albon's back. I'm excited about it. I think it'll be good to watch. But um, like I said, I think they'll cross the line holding hands if they're not careful. Like it'll be interesting to see how that <laughs> like, dynamic plays out a bit. Yeah, um, the nicest team yeah. holding hands off yeah. into the summer. I yeah. think a lot of uh, F1 Twitter fans jumped on as well and they're going to give him a Red Bull statue as well for Nick Latifi in the yeah. middle of their complex. So I think it goes both ways. But, yeah, the, the hate was definitely unwarranted for something he didn't do at all. Um, I think we've jumped the gun there because Williams actually did better than Alpha this year. Yeah, they did, but I just can't help but put them towards the back of the pack. It's just my default <laughs> thing. And also yeah. King Kimmy doesn't deserve to be that, That's that far back. So but that was my decision. I think the biggest thing for Nick was his qualifying improved drastically because – Mr. Saturday was the thing we've been hearing oh. for feels like forever. It made me realize that I don't dislike Williams. I yeah. just don't like George Russell. Oh, <laughs> I'd always you. want to have this feeling about Williams. For like, sure. oh, no, I don't really like. Actually, no, it turns out it's just you. It turns out I do. That is a God comment right there. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're, you're so correct. Like, 
And I think the whole, the whole Mr. Saturday thing, and it was like, it was impressive to have qual- our qualified your teammate for however long he did do it. But then Nick was giving it genuine cracks towards the end of the season. He had some great efforts. He was unfortunately in the position detrimental to that, which meant that George could always pip him throughout his whole career until the decision was made basically for George moving on. Then they, we kind of got to see Nick in the better situation, which was like qualifying later getting the track development, kind of all those things improving to give those results. So I, I saw heaps of improvement with him in that. And also if he actually got to have a car that was competitive, I think he would be good. We saw some good moves, some good defending throughout the season. So I think him and Albon will be a great pair and that will be a team that I will enjoy watching regardless yes. of where they are. Yeah. A lot of the time, Williams, their qualifying philosophy is like they're out of sync with Jealous. So there's one guy out on yeah. track, and someone else goes out on track. And yep. all the time, George got the mm-hmm. preferential, the preferential, strategy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, where he was finishing last, whereas Latifi had already finished his lap, you know, 90 seconds before. Which I mean, there are variables within 90 seconds on tracks and stuff. But yeah, Latifi's been—he's our favourite Canadian, so it's good. But for George. It was almost inevitable that he was going to take that step up, wasn't it, yep. to yep. Mercedes. Uh, even Valtteri on uh, Beyond the Grid said, you know, Mercedes would have been dumb to not promote him into the car because if they hadn't, then yeah. they would have lost him. Yep. Uh, and so he gets it and because VB is a good guy in that respect, I suppose, in, in the same way. But for, for George, I mean, for Williams as a whole, I'm glad that the result in Spa happened for the team. I think they needed that after the, you know, the shit time that they had, yeah, yeah. obviously with Claire, you know, putting the, the business up for sale and getting yep. that sorted out. Yep. The Doralton, obviously now Frank passing away, but Frank got to see mm. his team on a podium again, deserved or not, like from the good guy perspective, where as it's fleshed out, yes, that they led Alfa Romeo by 10 points in the yep. end of the championship for sure. It's only half points awarded. And I mean, we have to take our hats so, off to George for that Drive that qualifying. I mean, right place, right yeah. time. We said it like you know, all of the conditions were just in such a still way. Still got to do it, yeah. But he still did it, and yeah. Max pipped him by not that much. It wasn't like a two second gap. It was yeah. a couple of tenths. So yeah. I think for for George, as much as we wanted to put him in the bin, uh, what we're potentially getting for for this year is a Rosberg v Hamilton level of rivalry again. So you're not going to have that nice guy kind of approach with Valtteri going. Okay, I'll play the team game because okay. Valtteri is very good at that. Not George is not going to happen. Not He's not going to want to do that. He's going to want to push it off the perch because it just yeah. seems like that's the kind of driver he is. Not that I'm saying there's anything right or wrong with that. That's just yeah. from my perspective of it. It is not even going to be close between those. I think we're changing. Well, that was the same as, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, not necessarily type. But I mean, anyway, the Bahrain, when he jumped into that Mercedes, yeah. he showed that he, with very little training and not really fitting properly into the car still. Yeah. Yeah. He's still able to extract some pace from the car. So from a raw talent point of view, and you can't ignore his performance in F3 and F2. That was very, yep. very good. Yep. Uh, and we'll be saying the same thing about Oscar when he comes through inevitably. Too. Yeah, exactly yes. right. Uh, Alfa Romeo, well, we've got a whole new lineup for, for this year, but for last year. But quickly. Yes. Robert. Okay. We had oh, Robert. Well, sorry, yes, we did. A couple of races. In Alfa? Yeah. Yes. Good guy. Kubica. Is he, he still around? Is he st- uh, if there's an all-lean sponsorship sticker on the side of the car in Alfa Romeo, then Big he's fan. still around. That's the only reason why. He's <laughs> going to bring it. that Polish oil money with him. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he still outperformed <laughs> the Haas drivers, yeah, um, which, uh, which is which yep. is bloody fantastic <laughs> which to, is to see. Which is still great to see. That he, like, Robert Givers did two races and he's 
20th in the driver's standings. <laughs> Nikita Mazin finished 21 out of 20. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> says a lot. I'm sorry, man. It's 20 says, cars and you're 21st. Says yeah. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think for Robert, obviously, when he came back into Williams, it was, uh, you know, the good story, wasn't it? Uh, I mean, it was just the wrong car and he was able to bring some sponsorship money, which Williams needed at the time. Obviously, that makes sense. Um, but for... Alfa Romeo as a whole, do they really need, I didn't think they really necessarily needed as much as they'll just take it if it's going. Uh, and I think obviously Williams managed to get themselves pretty secure with what they were doing funding wise mm. for 2021. Yep. Uh, but let's talk though about the actual drivers who were there. Kimi Raikkonen, of course, the king, now departed, not upset about not finishing so he didn't have to do any donuts or anything like Fernando did in 2018. He could just, yes. I'd say quietly exit. He didn't quietly exit his brakes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. into a wall. Just loud. Uh, but Campy, Kimi Raikkonen, I mean, he's been around for like 30% of F1 races ever. I did see ever. that stat. Yeah. like 32% of all races ever run have had Kimi Raikkonen. Wow. How good is that? That's not a stat, isn't it? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I mean, Kimi is a fan favourite and uh, what would have happened if he didn't leave the sport for those two or three years? Where would he have ended up post-Ferrari World Championship? Uh, a bit of a shame for him to go out the way he has in the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, but obviously, he's still a racer. He wanted to be there. Um, you know, in that podcast that he did with, uh, what's his name, in the uh, Beyond the Grid, just really hated being doing the extra stuff that he had to do. And that's yep. the only reason he's not racing next year. Um, character. And I asked him that in one of the press conferences as well, like yeah. how are you feeling about it? And he's like, yeah, there's things that I'm going to miss. There's things that I won't miss. Won't you miss this? Yeah, <laughs> legit. You. Like, yes. yeah. Shut it's up. Like, Can I drive here, get in my car, drive, then go and home? And then go yeah. home. Yeah. 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 Um, I think he, I think towards the last couple of years, he's lost some pace to where he was, but super consistent right throughout his second stint to Ferrari as well. Teaming up with Seb, he was there because he wanted to be there and his legacy's with cemented in the sport and we're hoping to see his son driving yeah. in the sport in the next 15 years. How good would that be? Yeah, that'd be yeah. See really the awesome. and I'd be more excited about seeing the Rock and the name on the grid than a Schumacher. Yep. yep. Growing up. And uh I mean that kid, some of those some of the footage of him getting around go karts is <laughs> exceptional. <laughs> Robin, Robin, yeah, I know it's good. So um, <laughs> I th- I think when someone can be that casual about it and still do something at such a high level, you know that you've got a master. He is just cruising. He's not doing track walks. He's just coming there to do a good job, but he's not putting in that hours and hours like we know that Lewis does and Max does and all these kind of guys like Signs. We know Signs puts in a lot of effort like outside of things with engineers. We know that like all these guys have done it. Kimmy's just cruising now. He's like turning up, doing the minimum, and he's still one of the best 20 in the world. You know that guy is outstanding. Like I think we've been so lucky to witness it for so long and now I'm excited for him just to be left alone. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think off track he's not doing the minimum. I think he's like, you don't get paid to drive these cars and not put in the effort off track. No I way. think he's very technically minded. Not doing track walks. He's like, I'm done. Yeah, but he's like, he doesn't need to do those things because he's good enough and competent enough to get yes. in a car and be on the limit within three laps. I mean, the feedback is he's given the team technical direction of the car, where to go, drivability stuff. I've got no doubt is he's good as anybody else off track as well. Hence why teams want him around for so long. Why else would you buy, why else yeah. would you pay a 40-year-old that's on the back end of his career to be in your car for the last four years of his career if he's not offering something to the team more than just, you know, a name? Probably because he's not a prima donna as well and he just gets on with it. <laughs> yeah, and he totally. doesn't sook and blame everyone yep. else. He yep. just rolls with the punches. Like, 
he's had some pretty unlucky moments and he's just like, he gets frustrated, but he doesn't blame anyone. He's like, ah. Most of the time, it. it's he doesn't have the drink, That's yeah. which you yeah. can blame the guy who's supposed yeah. to hook that up. <laughs> but for you, Freya, and someone who's, again, like coming into the podcast world, being able to watch Kimi Raikkonen and like even highlights. Like if we go back to the um, the race, the classic race review that we did yeah. in Brazil, watching Kimi's first season, which is yeah. ridiculous. So that's <sighs> a classic race review and it's his first season. And there's Fernando. Uh, what's it like for you seeing him not maybe perform as, as good as he probably should be in this alpha and that's sort of now his legacy to this, this next generation of Drive to Survive F1 fans? I think it's like... It's hard to see when you like watching him compete, like not kind of go out on the high that you want him to have. And you see that with other sports as well, um, where you kind of go, oh, you know, should you just have, you know, Nick like Michael Jordan still- at the Wizards, he was useless. <laughs> so. He should have just retired. It's not what I was going to say, still but all right. Sorry, Brad. To get it in there. There's a layout. I love in-person podcasts. This is much more better. (laughs) Much more better. Um, Yeah, it's hard to say not not compete in the way you you want to see the results kind of follow as well. But, um, you know, he's obviously, as you said, Campy, adding a lot to the team, otherwise it wouldn't keep him around. Um, But it's it's also exciting because it makes space for new drivers and and Mm. all of that type of thing. Like it is a bit of a, um, you know, time for for them to come through and needs to be ready to set And they've got a new professional coming in. As well in VB. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But Giovinazzi. Who? <laughs> Italian Jesus. Italian Jesus, my mistake. How dare I? Really I really enjoyed whoever it is on Discord, always like halfway through one of the races, going, just your friendly mid race reminder yeah. that Giovinazzi exists. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is very That's good excellent. indeed. It's so good. We do need to remind really you because we will not see anything. Every time. Yeah. I think it, yeah, so you wouldn't the know. to die in turn one comment. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. In so the pre race, everyone's like looking on Discord, waiting for you to log on. And then it's like, hi, everyone. Lewis is going to die into turn one. <laughs> Surprise! It's not just an automatic thing that you just log on and it sends to the group. Yeah, probably. Is. Uh, yes, Italian Jesus Giovinazzi driving Formula E this year doesn't thinks he will be back to Formula One. Probably incorrect unless someone something happens to Charles or to Carlos that he needs to come in from a reserve driver point of view. But really, I, I mean, I think it's probably the right decision for Alpha to yes go with another consummate professional mm. in one times Valtteri Bottas uh, and bring a rookie in because it just makes a lot more sense here. And Giovinazzi himself, I don't think, proved enough to be able to carry the team necessarily without Kimi, although he was outperforming Kimi towards the end. I think what you were saying, Campy, about like the off-track stuff that was necessarily going on with or without both of them, I think Kimi is probably going to be the, still the king in that space for a long time to come, like Fernando Alonso is in yeah. Alpine. But for, for Gio, do you think he deserved the seat for last season? I think he did. And I think it would be disappointing if they had booted him kind of, and obviously he's had a few years, but so soon. And that's what you say about rookies and that you kind of, you hope that they can make it through and still get a seat in their their second or third year and um, kind of have the time that they need in order to adjust to a team, adjust to a car, and then actually start seeing results. So I think he deserved it, I, but it's also the right move, I think, at this point. Like he hasn't shown what he needed to really. Um, started out performing um, right towards the end of the season, but not well enough that he yeah. would, should be able yeah, to hold on. on to the seat. Not enough, enough points finishing. No. I mean, he put himself in the right positions, but mm. it's always close. never yeah. capitalised. And I think that's the 
that's the mark on him, really. I feel sorry for him that he didn't get a chance with these new cars and new regulations because that's what he would have been hanging his head on. Yeah. Uh, sorry, hanging his hat on. And his head. Added to the list. You know, he would have been iron off these new regs. Yeah. You know, I've got a three-year contract, brilliant. I get to move into, you know, this new car and prove myself. But yeah. I've, I mean, with COVID and the decisions that the sport made for this year, um. It's a shame for him that he missed out on that chance. Yeah, kind of reminds me of like a Stoffel's kind of career. Just wrong place, wrong time. Opportunity just wasn't there to continue on. Like you were good enough, but the seat just wasn't right at the right time. Like that's just kind of how it shakes out. He, I think, got the exact right amount of time for what we saw. He probably had potential if he got to a better car or the regs changed, but it just didn't shake out. So, yeah. It, yeah, I think Freya's right. Like if he got kicked a season early, unfair, but I think this is like, yeah. Spot on kind of like for what he produced in F1. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment on him. And look, we wish him all the best in Formula E. And the next generation of Formula E cars comes out in 23. So hopefully there's a bit of downforce that's involved with that so he can actually drive it. <laughs> and like the moment you go like, ah. Oh. Is James an expert on there's, environmental racing now? I wouldn't call Formula E an environmental racing <laughs> expert kind of. Anyway, can, really? I keep, can I keep going? No, you can't. It's an e expert. Uh, the expert. You're expert. expert. Now that you paid to tow the uh, the party line, Jim. Yes, please, everyone, <laughs> bow with me at the Temple of Alejandro Agag. Uh, let's keep going, Aston Martin, then, because uh, I mean they're they're pretty far down the back, and to yeah. be honest, this isn't hey, in any kind of order. In sack terms your of, owner before you sack your team principal. You can't sack your owner. Well, get <laughs> get rid of the owner before you sack the team principal. I'm he's sure. the problem with that organisation and he's the reason that this team performed the way they did this year. Seb got some great results, um, you know, and they were well-deserved and he outdrove the car at times. But, I mean, Stroll, uh, what? Like his results came when he qualified poorly and got the optimum, strat- optimum strategy. Yeah. You know, there was a guy that asked us, I think it was Joel Ozindo on Discord, who asked us to sit down and have a, you know, have a real look because Stroll outperformed Vettel in races. But when you look at the qualifying results. And, yeah, yeah, tire choice when you're fighting for that eighth to sort of 12th position. Yeah. I mean, when you continually stuff it up and you know, like Stroll did to get the results he did because of the optimum strategy, I just think it's – I wonder uh, if you – Look at the last two years as a whole. I think they'd still take how it shook out with the highs they had last year, because of the copying of the Mercedes, all those kind of things, and how it kind of backfired on them a bit this year with the lack of regulation changes and like kind of all the other things. I still think they'd take the two years as a whole better than if they never had copied, never had changed ownership, never had done anything else. I think Aston Martin is in a way better position two years on than it would have been if. Lawrence hadn't taken over, hadn't done stuff. I think they're in a much better position with a much better future now. So this was a bump in the road and it was unlucky because that car was competitive the year before because they copied. But like they were competing. They were like the fourth kind of fifth team. They were like kind of the middle to top of that mid-pack doing what they were supposed to be doing. They did what Alpha Tauri did this year. Yep, exactly. And like I think they did that. Obviously they threw a lot of cash at it, but that's where they needed to be. The backfiring came from COVID, regulation changes, all those kind of things. So external factors, I would say, really shook them this year. Yeah. Because um, if the plan had gone 
the way they wanted, the new regs would have come in, they would have been sweet. Yep. So, Which is the same for so many teams, isn't it? So many teams. So it's a really hard one, but I think they probably copped it the worst based on their projected kind of outcomes and how it hit them because they were in a similar boat to McLaren where they had to use so many development tokens to change things for this year to get back into line with these regs because they weren't going into it. Do you know what I mean? Like all those kind of things, they were constantly just chasing, chasing, chasing um, just because of, yeah. That, that year delay is going to be one of those things we look back in like 10 years from now and go, that decided so much of, I don't know, these these like five years or whatever we're looking at as a isolated period because everything was lined up on that. Giovinazzi was lined up on it. All these young drivers were waiting for that. Daniel was waiting for that. Yep. Everyone. And it's just like this one-year speed hump. And we've seen Max jump in and win. Is that going to be an anomaly? And it's going to go back to Mercedes or is it going to be? Or is Alpine going to? Take Future, it, like any, we just don't know because it is this yeah. one outlier year that has shaken everything up. And I think, yeah, you're not wrong, like not gone to plan, but the plan looked solid from the outside before this year started. Yeah, I just think the sacking of Otmars just <laughs> says something to me about the team and where it's heading and the, the management side of the team and the decisions they've chosen to make. I just think it's just piss poor on behalf of that organisation to let a guy like that go. So, yeah. At least the car looked good. Did it? <laughs> okay. Looked good British on the lights. Green? I thought it looked Ish. okay. I mean, what that, is British green? Green, though, to that, be honest. Head that. of BWT was like, <laughs> no, nah, it's better in pink. Yeah, of course you'd say that. <laughs> your branding. Scared of BWT. But for, for Seb, we, well, you, well, all of us probably put him in the bin. You put him in the bin first, but put him in the bin pretty <laughs> early on. Yeah. And then two podiums. Uh, although one of them was disqualified, even though that's a bit of a joke um, in terms of how that ran out with fuel, like not his fault. He drove a great race. But for his performance in Baku, absolutely bloody incredible. And he got it together and he he came back. And of course, we know obviously with Daniel in a similar situation that once he got it or Checo in the Red Bull, once he gets that setup sorted out, uh, that that sort of confidence is there. He's just the car isn't as good as he's used to. Uh, especially that Ferrari, and let's not forget how he was in the championship fight, 17-18, that Ferrari, for yeah. a lot of the time. Yep. 19 was obviously no good because they were allegedly cheating. <laughs> but he still got that hunger, right? Like, yes, yep. he's good guy, Seb, and he's picking up trash at Silverstone and that sort of other stuff, which is awesome to see, but he's still a racer. He's still a four-time world champion. Still got three more than you, Nico. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting kind of vibe. But then you look at the driver lineup and – it's Stroll next to him yeah. where we were saying, or well, you were saying last year, it's one in five races. And then it was that. like one in 22 races, uh, sorry, you, the year before. And did he have a standout performance this year? Well, that's the thing. He, no. I just don't, he, didn't, he didn't. He had 34 points. He just beat Yuki Sonoda. He had 32 and points. And is that, is that the car? Absolutely, it's the car. Yeah. Because if you look back in the pink Mercedes where Checo went from 20th to 1st, you know, in Bahrain yep. in that solid performance and yep. the fact that Stroll put it on pole – in quality, like the car was that good. So put him in good machinery, he's certainly going to be there. But I just think Seb is the better driver out of that combo for yeah. sure. Yeah, 100%. I was so glad to see Vettel back up on the podium though. It made me oh. really happy. And it's just nice, again, not dissimilar from from Kimmy. We go, you're here to race and, you know, that's just what you want to do. And it's I, I just really like seeing how that plays out in terms of how they then carry themselves um, kind of surrounding the weekend. 
Um, it's, I don't know, it's good to say, good guy Seb. But it's, it's, and he's the classic, like, yeah, good guy Seb, but also like just absolute machine competitor and Mm. you can be both and that's pretty Mm. cool. And at least he's had the team around him this year to like build that up. As much as whatever we say about Lawrence Stroll, Lawrence put the money where his mouth is quite literally and put him out of Ferrari (laughs) and gave him an environment where he can shine. Uh, And he's had that, like his mechanics love him. It seems everyone in the team is a big fan of Seb. This has reminded me of when we were talking about that Red Bull seat and it was going to be Seb or Checo. Do you think roles reverse, they would have had as good a seasons this year? Do you think Seb would have gone well in a Red Bull? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Because at the time we were like, how is Seb getting this seat? He looks useless. Like he was not performing well. What What's going on? Uh, and in hindsight, he's had a really good season in comparison. Like he, Stroll's best was a six and we've had like, I think a couple of fifths and a podium for Seb well, yeah. in that car that wasn't great. So do you think he would have been a really good teammate in that Red Bull? Well, it's an interesting question. Clearly he knows the design philosophy at Adrian Newey well enough for four back-to-back world championships, yep. right? Uh, but is the car, is the 2021 car the same as the 2014 car? Yeah. No, no. it's not. The, the How you drive it is totally different with, you know, the energy recovery system, yep. that whole hybrid thing. So oh, I, don't, I don't think so. I think, to be honest, Red Bull probably made the right decision putting Checo in over Seb. Do I think maybe Hockenberg would have done as well as Checo? Probably. He would have got podium finally. Yeah. It's my he had to have, to have done as well. <laughs> and the only reason I say that is because, yeah, because yeah. stuck at Renault, I was like, oh, I never got a podium, whatever. But, you know, the little glimpses that we, we saw him in that pink Mercedes yeah. when Checo was sick and he was able to step in yep. with absolutely no prior preparation and he's there, you know, P3, FP3 ready for the weekend and he performed. Okay, top 10. What Like, mm. the dude still has talent there. I mean, he dominated in GP2. And that's was, and I really like bringing up junior categories because it's they're not junior necessarily when you look at the type of competitors in the season yeah, where yeah. he won. For sure. Oh, yeah. Huge names. Big names. And he yeah. smashed it. So, anyway, I mean, Checo, I think, was the right call by Red Bull. Mm. Absolutely. Um, but, I mean, they were flailing at the back. 77 points uh, compared to the next team in front. Alpha Tauri, 142 points. Uh, we've spoken a little bit about Yuki Tsunoda, um, and I think that's fair enough. We'll see where he goes next year. Of course, he's not going to have Albon now as that team, uh, or sorry, is that a driver sort of guru, I suppose, for want of a better term. Uh, but, of course, the best driver on the grid, Raya? My neighbour, Gasly. We hang out in the bin together. <laughs> Love that. Sunday roast together. We're kidding the place out. It's really nice. <laughs> and uh, we're Campy buddies. would know. He doesn't it's go good. in his own bin. It's good. <laughs> he carried that team completely this year oh. and, like, outperformed what that car should be doing. 32 points to 110 so points. So he should with five or six seasons under his belt and a and a rookie in the team. <laughs> he did carry Still doing it. Exactly. So he should and yeah. he is. So like, what yeah, do you want? He didn't do it. Exactly. <laughs> Good guy, Pierre. Yeah. I want to find the root of this. I think you need to have we'll a couple of sessions time together. with Campy <laughs> and not. really get no. to the bottom of this ghastly hate. No, I, I don't know what it is. I wouldn't wish that upon you, mate. Yeah. There was not enough money in the world. That, that I don't know. I think the answer's thing. worth it. Sorry. <laughs> you do it then, Tommy. <laughs> you put on that Tommy's bus. Right in front of the bus. <laughs> yeah, but Pierre Gasly, bloody great. Great performance all year. Uh, certainly the car. And look, it's worth... 
pointing out, of course, this sister team aspect now certainly exists compared to Red Bull and AlphaTauri. But clearly the jumps that were made by Red Bull from 20 to 21 were then sifted down through to AlphaTauri because that car also performed exceptionally well. The fact that he was on average qualifying sixth and not in Loves a top three spot. car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not in a top three I had car. had four yeah. DNFs as well and was still ninth in the driver's championships. Like he had a lot of problems as well with yeah. that car. He and didn't have these, all the luck. Most of these yeah. points are the 142 points. Most of them are his. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 110 to 32. Unbelievable. Yeah. Tell us what you reckon, Campy. Yeah, no, I think I think his race pace was clearly not as good as his one lap pace. But the race, uh, the one lap pace was what enabled him to get you know, track position on his uh, on his rivals, his genuine rivals throughout the races. So, no, he was good. I cannot I cannot fault him for the way that he drove and qualified at times this year because it was special. Um, for me, I'm interested in whether it's one lap pace or is it uh, sorry, is it the engine that's given him the advantage or is it the chassis? And if it's the engine, you know, I mean, that's good for. The team moving forward, but if they stuff up the chassis, it could be a bit of a disaster. I mean, it's good for their Alpha Tauri. They had a year that, you know, Racing Point or Aston Martin have had for the last, you know, four or five. There's always going to be one of those midfield teams other than McLaren or or Ferrari that are going to, you know, disrupt the results at times. Can he go on with it and do it? Well, hopefully he does, but... Yeah, he's still uh, – he was so bad at Red Bull that I just uh, – for me, that's his mark. That's You can't ever change? No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> no, as in he can't ever change. Oh, he can change. And I he's, just, he's clearly in a better headspace than he was. And For him to – It says more have, about Red Bull than it does about him. I yes. so, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. But, he, I mean, you can't shit the bed that badly and not let it have consequences. But he's proved now that he can hold a team together. He can perform. He's had four DNFs. In a car that's easy to drive. But he still had the performances. Like- Again, put him up against Daniel Ricciardo and what's going to happen? Danny Rick could make him look like Ocon. He's part of that C-level driver into a B-category driver. He's Pierre not Gasly top tier. in a B car, as you're saying, was five points behind in the, in the Drivers' Championship than Daniel Ricciardo. Four like points. he did, Doesn't he had matter. an excellent season. He had four. I'm not saying he didn't have an excellent season. <laughs> and three times he finished out of the points. Put him up against an A class driver, and he's going to get shown up every time. He's finishing the points every single time, bar Sick. three and some DNFs. Like that's Wicked. he went against uh, Mr. Hartley, and you know that was pretty close. That's comparatively. years ago, though. Like what? You, yeah, but then who a- else <laughs> did he go up against? He, uh, he went up against. Uh, let's start comparing yeah. high school campy to now, <laughs> yeah. and then let's see how this goes. There's actually a photo. I have a photo of high school campy. <laughs> Look at the uh, standing next to LeBron. That's why he wants us to compare to high school campy because oh. it looks better. I'll put a photo of the photo of campy up on Discord. No one will really? recognize him. Yeah, the young buck campy Where's back in his day, back in his prime. You in a basketball get up, mate. So mm. it would have been like year eleven, year twelve. Doing the muscle press out. Doing this. Rig. I've shown Tommy oh, D. Really? He, he knows. Yeah. Pretty sure Ricky Bobby showed me that actually. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that as his wallpaper, I'm sure. <laughs> I will uh, yeah. I'll show you Frey before we, we leave. Anyway, please uh Pierre, please don't. Pierre Gasly, though, absolute king. Yep. Probably my favorite driver on the also, grid. Who's Daniel Ricardo? <laughs> Gasly and Sonoda, underrated, good on socials with their content. Got to give credit to Josh Cruz, the Australian social media manager. Correct. Because yep. he's doing plenty, uh, getting those guys to do content all the time. It's constantly flooding my feed and it's good. Like, yeah. 
He'll uh, get Josh off social will, media and you might be on your. <laughs> Josh will be on the podcast. <laughs> I saw your bearded face on TikTok a couple of times, pal. Oh. It's all so 34,000 views of yeah. people agreeing with you. That so, was the most terrifying part of 2021. Yeah. Can't What's Omicron blowing can't be blowing up on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Alpine, 155 points. This was the real the battle uh, that was as interesting as the top battle is on equal points. Alpine and AlphaTauri were going into the final round. Fernando Alonso, King, Ocon, got the win, thinks that he's now the best ever and better than Daniel Ricciardo because he didn't get a win at his time at Renault. So let's talk about it because if Ocon doesn't perform this year, uh, I would like Piastri to be next to Alonso. Yep. Um, so many people are like, no, Alonso's he's too old. And what? Ocon's a really good performer. He won this year. No, you it's didn't okay watch that to be race wrong. Then, did you? It's okay to be <laughs> you wrong. Really didn't watch that. Uh, race. The best thing for our boy to be future world champion oh. is to be next to Nando. Yep. Case closed. Like, I don't, even, don't even write. Yeah, I don't want to talk about team. it again. It's done. <laughs> yeah. And that's the podcast. Thank you so much yeah. for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, but seriously, though, for for Ocon, like, good for the team. Good for Alpine to get a win this yep. year. Uh, great for two podiums as well, of course. Yep. Uh, with Fernando getting up on there in third in big yeah. guitar. That was. A lot, like, really good oh, to see. Uh, he definitely deserved that a lot. But if Alpine Freya inherit Otmar next year, and we know what Otmar can do under pressure, I mean, that pink Mercedes era, not that I can, like, you, you like the term, but it's easy to say 2020 yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. racing point. We all know what you mean when you say that. Pink yeah. Mercedes <laughs> racing era, like, he was great. And he was in press conferences with the big boys. Yep. Uh, in terms of the big team. So do you think, that's the way, that's the future. And is Alpine one of those teams that can potentially come up and actually really challenge this year, this season, because of those little steps that they've been putting in with Danny Rick and Italiano and others that we've spoken about last year? I don't know if it will happen this year, but I think they have the potential to, especially if they get someone like Otmar in there who brings the, you know, or adds to the knowledge um, kind of bank if you get someone like that plus Nando and then just get rid of Ocon. The only reason Ocon won that is because of Nando's defending. Yep. Yes, 100%, 100%. You're out. Gasly, you're in. Well, it's going to happen, the French boy. <laughs> At some point, Fernando's going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be potentially Gasly oh, I, and oh, right now. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to support him too. Sorry, yeah. boy, yeah. that's, that's, that's the that's the end game, is that it you is. have Gasly and Piastri yeah. at Alpine. What a team. Yeah. What a superstar team yeah. that would be. No, I, I think they have a lot of potential. I think. I think we all are in agreement on Ocon, unfortunately. Good, but not as good as what's coming up through that Renault Alpine Junior Academy and nowhere near as good as Alonso. Um, so his time is finite and he better make the most of this year so he can get a seat somewhere else. The only concern I have for Oscar is that similar situation for Ocon, right? So although Ocon was in F1 and then took a year out and then came back again, hopefully Alpine put together a testing program that, and I think this MFIA regulation changes that have meant that yes. that's going to happen yeah. uh, in a different sense that he'll actually get some time in an F1 car to in show. some practice sessions to keep himself current because uh, yeah. it doesn't seem like he's doing any other racing, which is fine for for this season so that he can sort of step up. Because Ocon, I think the biggest issue that he had was that year out in Mercedes where they weren't interested in putting him in the car at all. Yeah. Well, Toto had promised him, oh, we will get Ocon a drive in this sport next year. And then a year's a long time in Formula One. Yeah. Like, you were on the outer really quickly. They said the same about uh, Pascal Verlon as well. 
Uh, I mean, that guy should still be an F1 as yeah, well. Um, superstar. Anyway, look, it's a long time out of the car. Look, Ocon for me is, I'm not sold on him. Like, I definitely don't think he's the number one driver of that in that team. Yeah. Alonso, a 40 year old that's been out of the sport for three years, come, comes back and, you know, like makes him, takes a few races to get it under. But after five or six races, Alonso spanked him for the year. I mean, Danny Rick made Ocon look like a child driving that car. In race pace. Yeah. Don't even talk about qualifying that record. The race pace comparison between those two was astounding. Yeah. Um, I just think Renault went way too early and given them the long-term support this well, year. They didn't have they to. Yeah. Yeah, they really yeah. there was no, no one was outbidding them for Ocon. No. I think is the issue. I mean, if you look how the driver market played out this year, if I'm Renault, I'm looking at Valtteri Bottas and going, if he's yep. on the move, I'd much prefer well, him to – um, they went too early. But also and you, so did McLaren sign and Norris, I think. They well. had, I think, three potential Renault Academy drivers coming through yeah, who would be available for this coming season. Yeah, it was like, a weird Like, you didn't move. need to sign yet. You had so much potential coming through and no one was really fighting you for Ocon. One thing I would say, though, is when you listen to the interviews with, like, VB, for example, and the impact from a mental perspective on a driver when you're constantly mm. on year on year on year yeah. is that you're potentially not setting him up for, for sure. success yeah. when he's kind of – Kind of trying to race for his seat every single yeah. year. The whole like diamonds man under pressure thing is absolute crap. Mm. And and he's and he's even said that himself. VB yeah. said that. Um, some people respond well to that, or don't. Most and don't, so think, yeah. you potentially Soft. can <laughs> you can potentially <laughs> get more out of him by giving him that security and yeah, and no, telling him right. that he's valued. Yeah. So I, I think from the Oscar side of things, if we zoom out, I don't think there is any team there that would not give him a go if he's not snapped up in the next season. Yeah. He's gone straight sets through three formulas yep. winning. We haven't seen anyone do that well since probably Max, who's been like that prolific of a talent kind of coming through. Yeah, that he young. didn't even go into F2. But yeah. you know what I mean? Like Max was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we haven't seen anyone with this trajectory come through. He's got one year under Alpine and they better snap him up. Otherwise, someone else will. I tell yep. you what, Haas will ditch whoever they've got. Alpha will ditch, like all these people will ditch whoever they've got. Their second driver will be dropped and they will snap him up. And I think the reason that didn't happen this year was Weber actually going, nope, a year out's better. Let them do what they've done. We'll wait, see what the new regs do, give you some time, work on all their stuff. You can just continue to be the champion for this entire year and with an unblemished record rather than going to a team and doing crap, let's just, we've got a year up our sleeve. And I think that's what they're doing because no one's going to let him just fade off into the distance, never getting a drive in F1. Yeah. That it will not happen. There's no that walking off to the summer for this kid. I'm, sh- I'm shocked. No one's going to let him not have a drive. I'm shocked yeah. that in this day and age that our sport is giving drivers like Albon and Kvyat second and third chances. That to me is astounding. This yeah. sport used to be cutthroat. If you don't perform within three races, like you're out next yeah, guy. We wouldn't in, have Danny Rick right now if that was the case as well. Possibly, so. yeah. Possibly. No, I think Danny Rick's done enough throughout his career from the start right until up until this is the first year that he's like really had yeah. some genuine on track struggles that he struggled to to get over quite quickly. I mean, it took six months for him to get over it. a race win. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's good. Exactly. That's done. Well, let's let's talk about McLaren. Yeah. Because right. I think I mean. 275 is where they finished on points, which was behind Ferrari on 323 and a half. They took it off. It uh, went, went the last couple of races. When they you went take hard. into consideration the, 
upgrade points and stuff. And the- yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, but in terms of how Danny Ricardo performed this year as a whole, obviously we all hurt, especially yeah. as Australians watching that first couple, and we we're like, let's give him three races. Okay, let's give him six. Half let's a give season. him eight. <laughs> give him twelve races. Yep. You know, and he showed. And we, I think, we made a call before Monza that he'd. He sort of started performing enough to yep. a point where it was. But, I mean, for unfortunately for him, he came up against someone in Lando Norris who was well ingrained in that car, completely understood the systems and the processes that McLaren go through, has obviously didn't have the disadvantage of only having a day and a half of testing before the first race, which was the biggest issue, I think, for DR and also for others as well and a lot of the rookies too. And if you and break that down to what timing-wise, it was like he had like five and a half hours in the car yeah, yeah. over the yeah, day and a half, which is yeah, nothing. Yeah. But... I mean, one thing that really pisses me off is that none of the team principals chose him as a top 10 driver, Yeah, which is just absolute crap because he is. And if yeah. people go, oh, it's because his performance at McLaren this year, like just hasn't been good enough. It's like just, but look how he has driven mm-hmm. this year under real stress and pressure, gets a race win, yep. is able to do performances like Coda, like we spoke about a little bit earlier in terms of how he positions that car. His yep. race pace is still there. He doesn't bitch on the radio. It's still... Copy. Understood. Yep. He's got more Understood. points than he did in his two Renault seasons. Like, and that's the thing. Yeah. Like we said, the first <laughs> yeah. six races, he had more points in a McLaren than he did in, in his 2019 season in Renault. Yep. And no, everyone's like, in oh, the points. fine. Scored in the points. All yep. behind Lando. Yeah. And that was the biggest issue, right? Mm-hmm. So you remove Lando from the situation and everyone would be like, oh, cool, Danny well, Rick, and it's the McLaren. The kind of third quarter, if we break it down into fourths, the third quarter he beat Lando 100%. He dominated him then. And probably the last quarter, I reckon he was probably tired, if not beating him as well. It was just the first half where Lando took off when Daniel was still acclimatizing to that car, to the new team, to everything where he just like got the score run up and Daniel was chasing for the rest of the season. Um, and I think if you could get a real honest answer, I reckon Lando would take a race win over everything else that happened this year, but Daniel got it over him. And I think that will eat him up, that the race oh, yeah. win he hasn't got yet, but Daniel's got it. Kepi, there's a specific reason that you said why McLaren favours DR over Lando, and that's a pretty obvious one. It's, it's the, the investment. Money. It's the investment in him. Danny Rick's proven over, you know, four car manufacturers now that he can get the job done in qualifying and on track. And, I mean, if Lando continues to keep putting himself in the positions he's in, he will get podiums and he will get a win eventually if he continues to put himself there. But he hasn't done it yet, so yeah. it's not proven. Showing all the potential in the world. and But I still think give Danny Rick, you know, he's had a year in the organisation. He now has told them what he wants in a car and listening to this podcast he's just done with the Gypsy Tales thing for four and a half hours. He is in a very calm, cool, collected spot from where he's going into next year. Um, he's excited about the car and the tyres and the way that it's feeling and he's he's looking forward to it. Um, he's gonna, I think he's going to have a year this year that firmly cements himself in that top three drivers on the grid and he's going to make Lando look like a child again. And I think Lando is going to really struggle this year when it comes to adaptability and changing his driving style. I think three years in an organisation and a car that it's relatively the same, I mean, that's that's experience you just can't buy yeah. if you're Danny Rick. Yeah. And to only really be, you know, two and a half, three tenths in qualifying for the first, you know, for the first half of the season. But he got the win, so who, like, okay, and on right. merit too. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. On yeah. merit. And yep. it wasn't like he got lucky and he did everything right that weekend. And um, People who try to take that away. 
Oh. Well, look, you I don't mean, understand racing. But, but I then, said like but Johnny was, Herbert came out and said that his pace, Danny Rick's pace, has just just vanished into thin air this year. It's like Johnny, what what are you talking about, you dickhead? Yeah, <laughs> like your career, because yeah. you didn't have one. <laughs> well, we're not going to go there because we're, we're <laughs> we better than that. We oh, know. Yeah, sorry, I'm yes. better than that anyway. <laughs> oh, 2022 oh, wow. new campy. Okay. People are going to start not listening if you're better than that. No, no. Look, I, <laughs> anyway, look, Danny Rick will be fine. Yep. We've we've endured the season. Probably a bit like a 2015 season. You know, he came off 2014, three-time race winner on debut with Red Bull, went into 2015 and just the car wasn't as good as it should have been. They went backwards. Kvyat got some good results against him and Danny Rick's reliability was, you know, as bad as it was in 2018, the reason why he lost to Max. And, you know, Kvyat came came out on top through no fault of Danny Rick's own. I think this year was as bad as that 2015 year in the Red Bull, but there's still a lot of positives that came out of it. And moving forward, the lessons learned this year, team environment, structures, trajectory, vision moving forward, all firmly in the favour of Danny Rick, absolutely dominating and being the driver we know he is. Yeah, well, World Championship 2022. Absolutely. Are you still wearing your Lando merch? No. You're not? No. What do you think about Lando from this year? Uh, I'm only not wearing it because I just got sick of wearing high vis. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to associate myself with Campy in the sort of tradie. I'm not sure because he only wears all black all the time. RN. No, I think, I think he certainly, when the McLaren content started to feature more of them together and it we have to say like McLaren undoubtedly best content from yep. a yep. team point of view oh, yeah. like NASCAR all every, all the stuff they did wherever they went was yep. epic like the Texas Longhorn stuff like yep. they just they always bring it they were and I outstanding think, you know the, this behind the scenes look and I think unboxed as a series has been the one of the main reasons why McLaren fans are the favorite, or McLaren's a favorite team because the access is just there. Yep. Uh, and I, anyway, so I think that's really good. But one of the things that I, it was really interesting for me watching that along is that it was ne- you'd never see the drivers together. It was either we're either following Lando for this weekend yep. yeah. or we're going to follow Daniel this weekend, one or the other. And I understand from a crew point of view, it's hard to sometimes capture both of those from a whatever. There's never cr- any crossover. Whereas in the latter part of the year, after the Monza win and after Russia, for yep. the, for Lando and Lando really had to take a look in the mirror then because that was his fault. On his face for sure. He made the decision yeah. to not pit. The team said, "Look, what do you think of Inters? Like, mm-hmm. no, go away." And the, what do you think is giving him the choice? Yes. Well, in comparison to what Daniel's response was, was like, uh, yes, "Understood, okay, copy, got yeah, all the do. wonderful yeah. stuff that he and he's always been superior on the radio, Daniel, um, more so than anyone else." I think really just probably, hopefully, to Lando went, "Okay, well, you need to reflect here." Uh, and the content sort of after that was very collaborative. Definitely. The Christmas stuff they did together I thought was quite good. And so I think, I mean, there's obviously he's a great driver. And if we go back to our 21, 2021 season predictions episode, all three of us like, yeah, we really like Lando. He's a good guy. He's very fast in the car, good performances, everything else. That's what you said. Not anymore. <laughs> and obviously we changed our mind. But I think hopefully coming into the 2022 season, he – sorts that out a little bit better. And, of course, you're going to always be he held. acting like a child. He'll do a lot better. Well, and that's like, going to say, hopefully that's where he comes yeah. to. Mm-hmm. Because with with Carlando, with Carlos Sainz, Carlos can be chill and be a child with, and but then be professional. Oh. You know? There's and a difference between being a child in terms of just like having a bit of fun and everything else and how Lando responds yep. to things on radio and yep. whatever else. And that's what Daniel's always done so well. Yeah. Oh, he's 
number one in the world at like turning it on when he has to and mm. just being the most fun in the room otherwise. Yeah, yeah LeBron a close second. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the triggering. Uh, but from, yeah, from that point of view though, I think you're right. If he, if he just is like more serious about what the long-term game is, then I think Lando will come back uh, and hopefully be I'd like- I'd happily watch Lando and hope that he does well. Mm. If he starts back acting like a professional, stop being an a-hole. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like that. That recorded the radio after the. Yeah. What do you think about Inters? Shut up. It's like disgraceful, just, isn't it? It's absolutely yeah. disgraceful. That team and is working so hard and trying to help you win, and just being a petulant child. And then afterwards, coming out and saying, "Oh yeah, the team. You know, we really didn't, didn't think about I didn't this have as a all team." The it's like, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I get the stress in that situation, and I'm sure everyone's like hashed this issue out, but. It's pretty telling what you do in those moments and for Daniel to be cool, calm, collected and world champions in the past to be cool, calm, collected, you're just showing kind of the true stuff kind of comes out then. And yeah. it was, you are a brat who's had everything his whole, like his way his whole life and all of a sudden it's not going your way. You're not going to get that race win and you were acting like a child. You need to sort it out and be professional. Yep. But for McLaren though, it was a hard year because they had the development token spent on getting that new Mercedes power unit into the car uh, obviously, new driver in DR coming in for 2022, though. Like this is this is what we've been saying, or I've been saying all year. When people go, ah, oh, but you know, should Daniel have left Red Bull? Yes, Jeez, is the still answer. Talking about that, it's oh, I get yeah. asked more often. Yes, is the please don't ask me again. If would, you want to know, yes, is the answer. And would he Max have won the championship this year if Danny was there? No, <laughs> he wouldn't have. Hands down, Probably Danny and Rick would have stolen. Yeah. They would have stolen too many points off. Yeah, yeah, off each other. Yeah, exactly right. That's and that's really well put too. Would, uh, would McLaren have won more if they kept the golf livery this year? Yes, 100%. Makes it go faster. <laughs> do, we all, do we all say that back next year? Chef's kiss, please. That, we can all agree that was delivery. Oh, of the hang season, on a second. That, that vaping shit that we saw at the end oh, of the views. year was yeah, no, yeah. horrible. <laughs> no good. Go back to golf. You do do something well. Do it Best once. livery of the season by far, right? 100%. Like, yeah. 100%. Yeah. But for McLaren, look, they've got all the key ingredients now for 2022 to be the thing. And they've got this, they're on the same standing as everyone else in terms of development tokens is yep. my point because I haven't had to spend them all Back up front, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is which is yeah. good. Ferrari, meet on the table for Sainz and Leclerc at the moment, evenly shared. Uh, and I think Carlos Sainz is the better of the two this year. That's my decision. Yep. Um, yep. But for Ferrari as a whole, they weren't anywhere near as vocal as they have been in the past. Uh, the Drive to Survive episodes will be interesting to see the relationship between both of them, but it also seems that Carlos Sainz finally has sold his golf and is, uh, is getting a Ferrari, <laughs> which is good news. But what did you think of Ferrari overall, Freya? Uh, I was glad to see them back. Like I feel like the sport is better. Everybody else races better when Ferrari is yep. just putting their head down and doing what they do best. They're also very good. I think one of you guys said this as well. Everything's so red. <laughs> like Cheers. belts, oh. ties, everything. You know what's bad? Let's make it red just Everything's like. red. <laughs> they just um, must have a massive like – tub of paint that they just dip everything, everything. in before it leaves the plastic. Like before you walk through the door, yeah. just like spray yeah, it is. everything's it's red. <laughs> um, but no, it was good. It's good to see them doing well. Like you want, it's what you want to see. And it'll be interesting, like I said, if you get some behind the scenes action to see what it is like behind closed doors, even though it's still obviously not going to be a complete picture, you get some idea of it. And you would hope to see that their performance is kind of echoed with a, everything just being a bit more settled down mm. behind the scenes as well. I think Carlos has been amazing this season um, and, yeah, new team straight up and he, he's done pretty well in my view. So it's good to see. Tommy T. Big fan of Carlos. I always have 
Yeah, Carlos. 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 He he's kind of he's not as unlucky as VB, but he does cop some of those like just unlucky like yeah, wrong place, wrong time kind yeah. of things. And but he always kind of like shakes it off somehow and does his best. And I think that's what propelled him so far is he's just same with VB. Like he's had opportunities, but like Carlos has made the best out of every opportunity he's had. He's moved on and he's proved it this year by beating his teammate in the constructors, uh, in the drivers, um, and which I don't think Ferrari would have thought coming in. Yeah. I think they'd given that contract to Leclerc for five years or whatever it was, mm. thinking he's the future. Carlos is a great number two when they were thinking about Carlos and Daniel, um, and he's kind of going to be a good backup, but I don't think they expected this, um, especially not this early. Yeah, I maybe it's, it's a happy accident yeah. though. The dynamic between them for next year is going to be super, super interesting. I in think that they're the most evenly matched, to yeah. be honest. I think that, and I think probably Daniel and Lando will be even compared to this year. <laughs> compared to this year, Daniel will have increased and Lando will have increased. <laughs> oh, great. I'm going to have fun it's editing a, that. Yeah, <laughs> just leave it. All right, people. But I, I think they're going to be the most evenly matched and it's going to be an exciting battle to see how it plays out because I think Carlo. Carlos will keep his cool. Don't know about Leclerc. I think he will, but it'll be interesting to see if he kind of does show a bit of Lando colours, young, juvenile kind of stuff. I would say that Carlos is my favourite driver of those two. Um, I've said that from the start of the year too. But the difference between Carlos's worst and his best, there's not much of a difference there. His consistency is way better. I think Leclerc at times is can be three or four tenths quicker than yeah. than Carlos, but it's he doesn't. Yeah. But yeah. no, but even over race distances sometimes. But the problem with Leclerc is he cannot do that week in week out to match the consistency that you get from Carlos. So I think over a season, uh, Carlos will take the cake all the time. But you're always going to have those you know, five or six races a year. Takes the cake, takes the meat, <laughs> takes the bread. On the table, that's for sure. <laughs> so I thought that was one of my great analogies. <laughs> Welcome to the 2022 Food Podcast, Listen, sponsored by Formula taking One. Taking cards on the table. It's all about the meat. Is what we're saying. Plenty of meat on the table to go around. <laughs> you just can't but make I'm, this stuff up. I'm interested up. to watch Drive to Survive and see if that uh, social media lady who was the Ferrari so intense. She was not loving anything Seb was throwing last no. year. Was she? So I wonder if no, she's that's one of Seb's lock. Are you talking about the blonde chick that? Nah, out? the Italian <clears throat> lady who works for Ferrari, who was not dealing with any of his jokes. Yeah, he was trying to be lighthearted in press conferences. She and wasn't like, about. We needed have a joke at this. We are a joke. Like, let's just chill we out. We are a joke. Uh, and true, she though. was not having any of it because Ferrari is like untouchable. It is basically like God. Ferrari, oh, yep. God. Italy, basically, is how it goes. Yep. So they've chilled that out this year, and I think it's worked. Yeah. Like yep. everyone is. Thumbs up, Ferrari. Everyone loves them. Everyone thinks that dynamic is great because I think it is. They're, they're yep. good together. Yep. Um, so and we've hardly seen Bonotto. See she's still there. That's we've hardly say, seen where, where has he been? That's yeah. kind of in- interesting again. Him and Gunter like, have just been disappearing. Yeah. Good thing, though. I mean, Bonotto, his season is next year. If that team underperforms, like if we're five or six races in and they're not where they want to be, he will be gone by the midway point of the season, someone else will be coming. We're a genuine Wes Wally. Like, yeah. 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 Totally. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about it in season predictions, but I think Ferrari are just sneaky, like, 
waiting to pounce. Well, they've shown season. they've shown this year that yeah. level of commitment oh. to being able to to get up into it. Absolutely right. If you take the Schumacher era out, and even those, even the designers of that car when they got that, you know. Uh, Ferrari from 2009 to 2005. They put that car on track and they were like, where on earth did this car come from? Mm-hmm. We didn't even expect it yeah. to be this good. If you take that five or six year dominance of Ferrari out, as an organisation in the history, of, not that great in the last like 30 How years. Not that great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but you have to include it in. Waiting for the lightning strike to blasphemy, come anytime. Blasphemy yeah. and treason. <laughs> yeah. They've literally won one world championship in like that, those like three decades. Taking that off Kimi, are you? Yeah. No, but th- no, but that's the only world championship that they've won. Yeah. If you take that Schumacher. And he wasn't leading out. into that race. There wasn't <laughs> yeah. a dominance. No, yeah. and nah. it was a lucky world championship win. I mean, Lewis was going into that with a six-point lead or something, yeah. and that was in the old scoring points too. So, um, I mean, look, I hope Ferrari does. It would be good yeah. for the sport yeah, if for Ferrari's sport, up yeah. and about. More Ferrari uh, in the sport is a good thing. Like, I think yeah. – like we've mentioned so many times, more people at the top competing for race wins is a good thing. Yeah, and Different at the end of the day, names. they came third in the championship. Yep. Like yeah. that's a coveted position considering what, how strong McLaren was to begin with and that power unit upgrade they brought along in Russia, mm-hmm. which then, you know, Charles managed to not do so much with because of probably the, the way that that track is set up and then the rain. But then what Carlos performed, like that was yeah. solid. So... Yeah, if we haven't seen Bernardo because he's more focused on what's coming for next more year, of that then, good thing. then yeah. Yeah. and that's a good thing because then they're less of a joke as a whole. And oh. obviously, that how they dealt with Seb was just no good as well coming into uh, the, well, the beginning of last year or the year before, wherever we are. Who knows? Time mm-hmm. is a social construct, as best you would say. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Red Bull. Shout out, <laughs> Shout out <laughs> to our music guy. Uh, let's talk about Red Bull because whilst Max, of course, won the championship, uh, the constructors was won by Mercedes. Uh, absolute dominant performance by Max. Of course, he deserved to win that championship, as we've said many, many times. I want to talk more about Checo, though. Teammate of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Campy, Checo. Checo Ooh. Perez. Yeah, he had some good results. <laughs> I love it. We just, like, set you up. Here comes the ball. You let it hit the ground. Yeah, I'm, play, I'm playing. I'm playing. Yeah, pretty good. I'm playing, I'm playing Daria. <laughs> 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 What a reference. <laughs> I, just, I just don't understand. I can imagine Campy making from. sure he gets home at time so he can put on ABC and watch Daria. Well. <laughs> exactly. Just still just, to this oh, day. One of the great shows. <laughs> that is a very specific. Oh, This is generally what Box of Neutrals does, makes very specific Australian references that only kids that grew up in the 90s and early 1000s could get. <laughs> and everyone else was like, like, what are you on? Box of Neutrals has a lot to be answered. Like, if, Michael, if you're listening, you have <laughs> the only reason, hey, it's Saturday is going to come back is because of your influence. Literally. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, yes, do go on. Yeah, I still don't think – I don't think Perez had the year that we expected him to have. I think he should have probably won more races with the machinery, machinery he had. I think his qualifying is crap compared to Max. I think he's way too far off. Although he I – mean, He closed the gap, I think. He closed mm. the gap, but 50% of the time he wasn't where Red Bull as a team wanted him to be going into race conditions. And I think that's the same as – you know, the last four or five drivers that have been a number two at Red Bull, they haven't – Perez is the best of all of them. Yeah. But he's still not where they want him to be. He can play a great second fiddle, but they want they want someone like Danny Rick who can push Max to his absolute nth degree and yep. limit. And, and that's, that's – I'm 
sorry, but Checo's not that driver. We were hoping he was going to be with some of the results he had um, with Racing Point before he moved up, but, you know, it hasn't worked out the way I wanted it to work out, and the, he's not the driver that we assumed he could be. But he did give us his dad most excited person on the planet after his podium. Yes, That's all we need. That's actually his job done. That's all he needed to do. But I think, so you're spot on on Camby. I think at the start of the season, he was coming, he was getting some fifths and kind of sixths and some like lower grade stuff. But then end of the season, he finished with like third, 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 fourth, fourth, two DNFs, unfortunately, but like sacrificial DNFs in some respects. So, if you're in the second best car, you need to be getting thirds and fourths. Like anything else other than that is not acceptable. And I think that was the issue we had because Bottas does that. Yeah. As a second driver, Bottas has always been like, if I don't win, I'm second or I'm a worst case third and I'm bringing points in, I'm being consistent, I'm doing the team thing. And I think that's what Sergio was missing early on. We'll give him kind of some grace period there. But there was a point where it was like, you're not doing anything to help Max in qualifying. You're having to chase. So even if he was getting those kind of force fifth six, you were not actually helping your teammate. He was still fighting a battle against two other drivers from Mercedes. Whereas if you had just qualified better and been up there above Gasly, which was insane that he was qualifying below Gasly. And I think that's, that's the damning kind of thing. So does that, you could talk, put on does that tell you about Checo and Red Bull or does it tell you about, Tells you how good Gasly is, I think. Yeah, I think it does. No, I just think it says we need to. (laughs) We need to. (laughs) Good fan. She gets it. Welcome. You can say. We need to change the way that we look at second tier drivers. Oh, okay. Or number two drivers when compared to Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. We need to do. Because what those two guys did to their teammates this year on track, race pace and qualifying. Oh. Qualifying with Merckx is a bit closer, but race pace is disgusting that those two, (laughs) the pace that they could extract compared to their teammates. If you go back, I was watching the 2010 season, 2011, and, you know, you've got guys like Felipe Massas, who in every race is right behind Fernando Alonso, like within a second and a half, the whole race. So they're pretty comparable when it comes to race. But for these drivers to be able to extract the the distances between their teammates is – just outstanding, and I think I think moving forward, we need to judge people against Max Verstappen with a bit of a different rule book than what than what I am at the moment, because it's clearly. I think we need to do Kebby's driver standings and the tiers that oh, they are. Yes, yes. <laughs> we need to know who's in the top tiers. Yeah, not now, not no, now. No, 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 give it to you. This is still come on. This is hours worth of one podcast. But you work on that in the background and we'll get it to you soon. Oh, well, that'll, that'll yeah, yeah. yeah, ETA 2024. <laughs> <clears throat> like that fan, well, no, that classic race you were supposed to choose that just didn't yeah. go. <laughs> oh, I'm all still getting shit for that. Yes, you are. You know, Danny Rick's first win wasn't the greatest race to watch. I mean, it was. Yeah. And you couldn't find it anywhere. Yeah, no. you, you could. ended you up just watching Karoon punch it, it into oh, a wall. You just had to get a VPN and you had to sign up to the F1 Pro app and you had to bloody. <laughs> You Getting offshore no, credit cards you don't so you need could a VPN. pay for it, you psycho. You don't, you don't need a VPN for it. No, you just have to have an offshore credit card. Or no, you don't. F1 Pro. Yeah, to watch F1, he's actually right with this. To watch classic races, you don't yeah. have to. But you have to sign up and spend 40 of your hard-earned you dollar dues. In, F1 Pro in Australia doesn't get you live coverage. Doesn't get you much, does it? No. Uh, sort it out, F1. But Red Bull, though... Like overall, very happy. Clearly, uh, definitely good video of Christian Horner in that last say. lap. That was yeah, very interesting to watch. Do you yeah. think Christian's 
done good things for himself this year or Red nope. Bull this year or, yeah. I, I think he's really made himself the villain. Oh, big time. I don't think Toto's come out well either, but he's come out better than better. Christian. Yeah, I agree. They've yep. both done like detrimental stuff to their brands and probably their, uh, their race the brands. The only thing that Toto's Charlie. done detrimentally is to that pair of Bose headphones. <laughs> that <laughs> Charlie uh, warning comment. Yeah. That, that's that, no good. That Weaponizing was, Charlie is no yeah, good. Yeah, that's not. I could, if I'm not being like cynical and being super rational, How? I could probably see work? what he was trying to say. He was trying to compare so Charlie to, but that to me was like. You understand what he's saying? Is anyone? He's, Please write to us. <laughs> Send an email. Send an email to anyway. I understand what Campy's saying in amongst the slurps <laughs> at Lakeside Drive. Disgusting. Absolutely disgusting to bring that up. Yeah, I agree. I just it's Can't no it's not bullshit. good at all. Bullshit. I think uh, whenever the team principals are the center of the weekend, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, and also yeah. how he went up to the Mercedes pit wall after like Immediately after the race finished, to try and find someone's hand to shake, like that is just winning badly. That is just no good. Like I'm all for sportsmanship, but that's totally sportsmanship. Yeah, Yeah. and that's the kind of stuff that, like, the fake stuff that we like don't like when Lewis kind of talks about, like that false modesty kind of stuff. Yeah, sure. This is the other shoe where it's like, no, you're rubbing this in faces. That's the worst side of like sportsmanship. Like that's way, way more unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. They had 54 laps to win that race, and. You know, they didn't win it. Oh, Max gave it every crack, didn't oh, I mean, he? they did. But, I mean, until… It just wasn't there. Until Latifi crashed. I mean… It was a boring race until uh, Latifi oh, crashed. A really boring race. And but you, that, you were awake in the morning at like a normal time… Eating ribs and having stuff. Having ribs <laughs> and smoked meats. <laughs> yeah. And you were still bored. Yeah. I, was, I was still bored. And that's the next track in the bin for me, to be honest. I, just, I mean, 54 laps, Mercedes race. controlled that race. Yeah. But then after the last four, you look at it and you go, well, Mercedes lost it because they weren't aggressive enough. They were too, you know, what's the word? What's the opposite to it? Well, too conservative. What's the opposite of aggressive? It's, a, it's the best thing. <laughs> We've been going for a while. So. Yeah, this is great. I'm just um, seeing you guys fade. It's it's fantastic. No, well, I just had a coffee that good. stayed warm, so I've just reloaded. <laughs> I'm about to reload up on a cold brew, I think. Well, but, um, let's talk about Mercedes then. We'll round out this this. Very long podcast. It's probably going to be split into two or just one mega podcast. Why not? As Campy helps himself to a fridge. Uh, Freya, Mercedes, Toto Wolf. The the energy that Toto Wolf brought to races, I think, was pretty superb. Like the pointing at the camera. And obviously he knew it was tight all the way to the end, didn't he? Yeah. It's it was good to watch. Like, and again, like as somebody who's actually like he's such a professional, he's so controlled, all of that stuff, just to watch him. Absolutely on the edge. Yeah, was great. Unravel. Just Absolutely like, I think That's the word, isn't it? He just like just crumbled but under. But also it, laugh he? at himself afterwards, which I did appreciate too. So a lot of his yep. interviews afterwards um, would, yeah, he kind of go, oh, yeah, wasn't a great day for the headphones. <laughs> like, <laughs> not sure that's great brand management, but yeah. uh, you know, better luck next time. Um, but so I, I enjoyed watching him this season. Yeah. To be he needed to come out and go, no, they're still fine. They still work. Like they're great yeah. quality yeah. bows. Like, yeah, exactly. And they're still the going. They're still working. Yeah, yeah, even yeah, though yeah. I pegged him across the pit garage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sorry. Just bulletproof. <laughs> Please sponsor us next year. I'm also surprised he didn't lose his ears because he really ripped those yeah, off. Yeah, like, anyway, for sure. But he's got practice though. Like you can tell that that's not that's something well, he's done that's before. Not exactly, he's that's not the first time he's that. Oh, yeah. oh, no, so he, ga- he gave good content this year, didn't he? That's for he sure. Is. I just love watching VB as well. Like yeah. that's the thing. Like I, I get frustrated with um, the kind of false humility, whatever you want to call it, from yeah. from Hamilton that we talk about a bit. But um, it's just. 
I would otherwise probably like Merck quite a bit and sure. be a bit of a supporter because I like yep. BB. And it, it's, it's so hard to put your finger on it and when you try to explain it to people, they're like, but he's so, like, nice. You're like, he's not not nice. Like, Lewis is a lovely guy. I'm sure he is – he's one of the most, like, upstanding people in F1, like, doing great things for the sport, for the community, for everyone. It's just, like, the way things come across, the way the he says things. Gone. Yeah, just and just, like, be you. real. Give us real moments. Don't just try and say what you think people want to hear. I think that's kind of where he he gets into his own head and he's like, I have to be the perfect Lewis Hamilton mm. persona to everyone right now. He's better than he used to just, be. Like, yeah, I would absolutely. say he's definitely better than he used to. We but it's like, give us a but... real moment. Like, swear your head off on the radio. Like, give us like a Max moment or a Daniel Winnie Monza. Like, give us those real moments that humanise you rather than just paint you as this perfect picture of like, Hamilton perfection. And it's like, nah, dude, be real. We want real. We don't want this like holier than thou kind of like untouchable, perfect mm. human who does no wrong. It's like, give us the real man. Like give us the raw Hamilton stuff. And when you see it, you're like, that guy's incredible. Yeah. And then like, it just goes, it's gone again. And the perfect kind of like Hamilton's back. And but I think we saw, and yeah, we spoke about this earlier. We saw Lewis, you know, he was very complimentary of Lando in Russia. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he was, I think he was about to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also he was yeah. also how he composed himself to go and congratulate Max after the championship had been yeah. decided. That was that was that was That's impressive. The moment for yeah. me yep. of yep. okay, I think Lewis is I mean, obviously an incredible driver in his own right, but to have his dad in the pit garage as oh. well, supporting him and go, look, this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Like he could have very easily just not gone on the podium. And, and, and he took a moment because it was hitting him hard. You could see that sure. he didn't want to do it. He was just like, he wanted to just go, this is crap. They're all against me. It's conspiracy. Like whatever was going through his head. I'm sure it was a mess, but he composed himself enough to go, Max has driven excellent this year. Yeah. It was a great battle and he deserves the respect. And that's like outstanding for someone to find that within five minutes of finishing that yeah. traumatic kind of race. Like to do that is yeah. incredible. And that's I think, and I think, sorry, from like a leadership point of view, and I said this very early on about why Mazepin was in the bin to, before it even got an F1 car, like like it or not, these guys are role models. Yep. And that kind of attitude is incredibly important for everyone to see. doesn't matter how old you are. Like if you're a massive Hamilton fan or Max fan or whoever, that kind of behaviour is what this sport should be about. The petulance, we have no space for that. Yep. And I think, you know, yes, he's improved a lot. Yeah, the bottom of my tyres are gone. Jeez, you could like oh, how many times God, a race and then sits just, like fastest lap. Yeah. The TV probably has a laugh. Cease to not do it anymore. Just don't let us see it. Like yeah. control yeah. that and just like stop giving us that because that's just feeds to that narrative. Yeah, I mean, he comes across a way on TV sometimes, but I'm sure if you were in a room with him and you interacted with him, he may be a really good guy. So it would be super interesting to meet him and get in yeah. a room and see what he's like, see what his personality is like. Has he got a presence about him? And we, I, mean, I hope we're wrong about – the way he comes across on TV at times. I mean, Rosberg comes across all right on TV at times, but from all accounts in real life, he's the biggest dickhead of all time. So, <laughs> don't know um, where you got that information from. Well, you know, but like they're the things that you get into a room and you compare yeah. them to the people yeah. that they deal with and you yeah. go, actually, this guy's actually a really good boy in comparison to the rest yeah. of the BS that you put up. He's the greatest driver of all time. And the pressure Rosberg. that he's on. No. <laughs> I mean, he is, he is. Oh. And it's time to end. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah, he is, like, results-wise, he's the greatest driver of all time. He is. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm Jeez. amazed. I, I thoroughly enjoyed last year's championship, particularly those last seven or eight races. Mm. 
Yeah. I I was genuinely amazed at times of what Hamilton was doing in the car and the way yep. it turned oh, out. I know. Like- and for me, like the respect level on that level is there. The personal stuff can come. No, maybe at Melbourne we get to meet him. We go shit. What an actually what a good guy. So yeah. Um, I just think he he'd get more out of just being a bit more real and less kind of polished and like letting us see that maybe, behind the scenes. Maybe stuff. he's being real. I don't know. Maybe it, it just comes across a what. I'll I think tell you, you see what, the though. glimmers and you're like, ah, oh, there it is. It's ne- very tall public syndrome year. of us, though, I think, like oh, from an Australian yeah. point of view to go, oh, he's had a success, therefore we don't like him. And I think as a result of him not winning the championship, it's actually better for his brand long term because yeah. we're like, okay, actually, no, how he, like, now, right now, the conversation we're having, yeah. the way yeah. he performed after the, you well, know, losing. Next now he's not the evil empire who just keeps winning. He's like the underdog evil again. Empire. Yeah. yeah. Next year for me, he is. <laughs> I'm scared to think what he's going to come back and do next year. Yeah, this year. Because yep. we know that when he's caged and, you know, he overreacts a bit and when he's under pressure, but when he eventually gets it right and gets on track and starts driving well and that Mercedes organisation uh, almost in lockstep with each one. Uh, George, George he, Russell gets a couple of wins and pisses him uh, off. George is not even going to factor no. in Mercedes next He's going to come second in the championship behind DR, you know? Do you know yeah. And then, or maybe Gasly. Maybe Gasly second and then. Do you know how pissed Lewis is going to be next year? Like, oh, yeah. He's, he's not true, though. You're talking about how And he's he... going to play absolutely every card in the media to the point where we're going to go, geez, this guy's, you know, he's going to play it all and leave egg on the faces of everyone in Formula 1. And I think he'll just romp home with the championship next year, other than Daniel Cardo winning it. But... <laughs> You, you were saying earlier, Tommy, it's like he create, he loves the battle, yep. loves being the underdog to yep. the point of creating those conditions for himself yep. sometimes. Yeah. It would seem the that story, way anyway. 100%. And that's exactly what he's now got in front of him. Yeah. It, I, when I was thinking about- created a bigger monster. When I was thinking about going into the last race, it's like the best thing for Hamilton's like story arc, his movie, he's going to have a movie one day. Oh. It's going to be dramatised like Rush was, like all those kind of things. The best thing was going to play him? Oh, wow. That's a, <laughs> hang on. Where is this podcast going? Yeah. Uh, save that for a yeah. bloody that's another, team that's radio. Another yeah, that's a team radio. Yeah. Uh, but I think this this arc of him losing this one, coming back in new regulations against <sighs> a new foe in oh. Max, is like the ultimate finale and winning that at the age he is after like ticking all the box. Do you know what I mean? Like I think this is the best possible thing for his story arc and he's someone who cares about that legacy and story and kind of overcoming totally. and – like, I think I think Massey's created some kind of monster. I that think we so. don't I want think to we're going to see an unbelievable Lewis oh. because of that situation. But to be so close, to literally be like one lap off winning it, I think the problem is he's now going to be so exhausted from this whole season to have to do it all again to get back to that last race that's of true. the year to do it again. Oh, I think yeah. that's almost harder to get so close and not win it can be so exhausting and uh, he deflating. Knows, he knows what it takes. Yeah. He knows what it takes. But And I think he's still got it. I think if he wins next year, he retires and goes on. I think George just steals too much points from him, mate. Maybe. Talk about This is going to be a great season of this. This is, this is where it lies out. So <laughs> this is where it lies <laughs> I like James But genuinely, like I think – How is that a thing? James hinted at it. I don't think George is going to come in and play the right game. He's coming in no, he's like not. I'm the most important person yeah. in this building. Like you know he's, he's played the right in. game for the last three years. He doesn't yeah. need to do that anymore. He, he's got he's the seat. He's not 
coming in thinking that Hamilton's untouchable and needs to be yep. – he's oh, going to yeah, be respected, yeah. but he's yeah. not going to be this person who needs to be bowed down to. He's going to come in and go, I'm George Russell. I've won everywhere. I've dominated my teammate for however long and I'm going to be the world champion. So your time's done, old man. Move over. You're helping me win a championship. So yeah. I think that dynamic is going to be super interesting and I'm hoping it means McLaren and Ferrari can – and uh, Red Bull are going to – be up there competing with them as well. So we're going to have four teams fighting at the top, yep. which is what we want race to race. Well, and we'll see what happens. Let's mm-hmm. talk about our three favourite drivers for this year. Uh, we'll go like one each at a time. So uh, we want to go all three. happened last time. All right. Yeah, okay. Go <laughs> on, you just Tommy. start at three? You'll start. <sighs> okay. Start, we'll work up to our favourite. Oh, okay. Come on. You've got to like, build right. some suspense in this. It's go like on. People have been listening for hours now. Yeah. Keep the suspense going. <laughs> yeah, go on then. Tommy, you, you, can, start? you can start. So third, your third best driver. Third best driver is Sergio. Sergio. Checo. Just outstanding defending yeah. and just selling out for being a teammate. I think he knew what his role was. It wasn't to be the fast driver of the day. It wasn't to be the one bringing in all the points. It yep. was to facilitate wins for the team, which was wins for Max. Yep. So, and I think he, Great. he <laughs> that is he, the soft, that is a LeBron James mentality right there. <laughs> Do you think MJ would have that mentality Goodness going into basketballs? No, that's why MJ's a winner. What and, was MJ's uh, like record playing baseball? Let's, like, let's talk about it. Better than yours. It's better than yours, Tommy. You've been compared to MJ, TT. Congratulations. Be, well I'm, done. Yeah. King. Happy with that. Freya, your third. I'm struggling to put them in, in order. Yeah, me too. That's why um, you threw me, Tommy. Oh, yeah. 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 Podcasting. Get, but, get on board. Uh, so third, third best driver. Best driver, I'm going to go Carlos. 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 Mm. I think he's like walked straight into new teams, done mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. outperformed his teammate, and I think he's going to do an absolute cracking job next year as well. Well, I'm going to just go next because third is Carlos for me as well. Carlos for a similar reason. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's the best driver in Ferrari. Well, I'm leaving Lewis and Max out because they're both. Yeah, that's, I should say Lewis yeah. and Max out. Yeah. Because um, so they're just generally it's, number one, it's too much, almost yeah. shared. Yeah. So third will be Fernando for me. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to go second for Carlos for the same reason. Okay. I think he had an outstanding season. Yeah. Just. Freya? Two. Number two. Nando. Okay. Yeah. Are Nando's you picking number two. The, you copying lists over there? You are. Yes, this, is, this is unfortunate that I put this in this order. Yes, also Nando, second for me. My first best driver is DR. Questions? What's your second? Yeah, Carlos. Yep, okay. Uh, DR's yeah. my favourite. So yeah, I mean, I'm oh, taking DR's that from you in case favorite. you say it's your favourite as well <laughs> yeah. and it just looks like, awesome. yes, is it your favourite as well? Pardon? No, I have to go with my co-inhabitant in the bin, Gasly. <laughs> that was my me. Gasly. <laughs> I think Gasly had the most outstanding season from like, where he was, what car he had, what he did week to week. He <laughs> <laughs> so worth it. Can I change my answer to also yeah. say Gasly? Yes. <laughs> you may. Granted. Yes. No, I'll go with um Valtteri. 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 Number one for you. Valtteri had Jeez. more engines than podiums, I think. <laughs> that's true. It doesn't did. matter. He won his team of constructors world champions. Yeah, well, that's fair that's enough. True. That's true. Okay. He beat. Okay. All right. Righto. All right. Fair enough then. <laughs> Interesting. Well, look, the only reason I say DR is because we found out looks. that I'm the number one fan of Daniel Ricciardo on this podcast. You, well, you mean found out. We knew that. Not. It was confirmed. Uh, I'm going to put, put Carlos number one and Leclerc number two, actually. 
I think Lando needs a mention too. I think uh, Lando's, uh, Lando's on the fringe. Lando's done. On the fringe. <laughs> I always see you said on the fridge there for a season. He's on the photo of Campy's fridge. I do. I've got a photo of Campy on my fridge. You know you've made it when you're on the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, That fridge will be very destroyed. (laughs) An axe hanging out the side of the door. Uh, Very interesting. Okay, what about your most improved driver? Because we said for, for, we didn't actually say this for last season, but for also the season before, but 2019 we said Carlos was the the most improved. Yeah. what do you think in terms of most improved drive? We'll start with you again, Tommy T. I think it has to be Lando. I think from where he was as like the baby teammate to come back to have podiums, to have consistent qualifying in like the top three was huge at the start of the year. He looked like a different driver at the start mm. of this year. He kind of came back to earth a little bit, but it was still an outstanding breakout season from what he's had before. And I think that's why he'd be most improved. Yeah, I think, I mean, to, to be honest, it's almost the opposite how I view Lando. He started strongly and then kind of went downhill. I think for me, it's Nick Latifi uh, because he was under that pressure of Mr. Saturday. Obviously, there's different kinds of pressure at the front towards the back of the grid, but he was consistent. He's putting in good pace, good team results. Like, you know, it, it's for me, that kind of level of nice driver should be given some good positive attention. Nice guys. Nice I'll guys. go Yuki based on his last seven races. Okay. Yep. Far out, qualified his teammate. <laughs> I'm going Nando because he just keeps getting better yeah. and better and better. With he's just it. the like, best bottle of Rioja you can find. better and better. If it's most improved, then yeah. he just, just keeps improving. Keeps improving. Love it. <laughs> Old dog, new tricks. Yeah. Uh, and a uh, last point, uh, and we will get to the fantasy team name award. Uh, we just haven't sat down to decide who that is yet, but we will put a little video out on Instagram about who we decide collectively. Yep. Uh, we might have a couple of different bits of merch going out to some people. So thank Love you for it. doing the fantasy team name thing. It's made a lot of us laugh all oh. year. Uh, but I think <laughs> yeah. we need to finish this podcast off and thank you for staying with us on our favourite campy saying of 2021. Oh, I've got it in You've got note. a little note yes. section here uh, and I feel like... Some, uh, give us some highlights. Well... <sighs> Of just what you've written down in terms of yeah, the notes. Like what's okay, there, I reckon. Uh, this is <laughs> this is this is going on some merch this year. Maybe we'll put some some votes up in terms of what you want on some t-shirts. But notes, money know. talks, bullshit walks, classic. Flexi wings. Uh, breaking it ghosts. Breaking it ghosts. That was excellent. I can't remember what reference that was, but someone was breaking it ghosts. That's so good. Uh, breaking it ghosts uh, is bloody great. Two hands on the championship. <laughs> Yeah, Max has really got two hands on the championship at the moment. Excellent. Uh, smell of an oily rag. <laughs> don't know. That's very good. Maybe Seb running out of fuel. Oh, no, it was something about money, wasn't it? If they're running well, that yeah, organisation. Yeah. Contracts the aren't the worth rag. the money they're written on Also, <laughs> And probably my favourite, and it's probably the king of sayings, but hey, that's motorsport. No, I'm going with breaking it go. So breaking it goes. I want that on a t-shirt. Something that's not written down here is the FIA jumping in their own shadows. Yes. yes. You said that a couple of times. And of course, did. just so much meat on the table. Yeah, <laughs> for Can't sure. Forget. Driving off into the sunset. Summer. Summer. Driving off into summer. Correctly. Oh, no, no. no. I said the right the end of the Botch podcast, that. you can tell. Well, <laughs> the three doesn't go into two. <laughs> three doesn't go into three. Two doesn't go into three. 
Oh, this is too much. But look, thank you so much for staying wow. with us for not only this, the length of this podcast, but also for 2021. Um, thanks also to Munnis, who would be here too, but he's uh, holidaying in South Australia. Mate, shout out to you. Thank you for your involvement, of course. Uh, thank you for flying all the way specifically for this podcast. Thanks, it's not yeah. the reason at all. <laughs> uh, but it is great to have you in person. Thank you for being here. Yeah. And to you guys as well. And, of course, to you as a listener, watcher, fan, if you've just been introduced to the sport, uh, it's great to have your company for, for all of this. 2022 is going to be even bigger and better. And I can promise you now, once we stop recording this, we're going to discuss what 2022 looks like. Uh, and we'll get together at some point in the next couple of weeks to also do a 2022 preview podcast. We might just wait to see what's going on say, with can testing. Can we hold off on that? Because last time. But also with testing <laughs> to see how the cars are looking because we just don't know what the yeah. car's going to do on track. What uh, happened last time, James? We recorded it. We recorded out. in February and then we released on the 1st of March. And the day that we recorded the predictions, Lewis Hamilton had signed his contract literally. just uh, like seven minutes after like, we finished recording. I literally got home inside the door, I think, like after driving home and, it, yep. and it's happened. Like, so we won't do that again. Uh, we'll give it a little bit more breath, uh, <laughs> some air rather, in, in between that. But it's been really great. So guys, thank you. Freya, thank you for, for coming on um, and saying yes to doing more podcasting in 2022 regardless if you've made yes. that decision, I've made it for you. Uh, <laughs> TT, very good from you and Campy, mate, never change. Oh, I was wow. thinking yes, but then I came and actually met these idiots in person, so now I'm just not so sure. And not for this many hours. <laughs> <laughs> not for this many hours. Well, it's time to say goodbye. Thank you so much for listening or watching. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and uh, check out our merch because for 2022, as I said, we're going to do some really cool stuff. Um, so you might want to get a Legends tee uh, ahead of what Oscar Piastri might be doing. Yeah, get an OG one. Next. Yes, exactly right. Next year. Uh, we'll see you very soon. All right, you're recording, Campy? Yeah. Okay. What's Discord? <laughs> Let's clap, everyone. Ready? We only need one clap, mate. No. Was, what, a clap? I'm going to do it twice because it's going to be hilarious content. All us trying to clap at once, but Campy's going to count us in. Three, two, one. Sorry. You can dance, are you? are supposed to be all over it. Yeah, All right. Let's see what happens, hey? Private school joke boys today, Jim. Just keep it, keep it straight, you know. What? You would know what a private school joke was, mate, because you didn't go to one. Linda's independent. You didn't go to a private <laughs> school, <laughs> as as mentioned, as previously discussed.